Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Black to the far side. Chips it to the line, but not out. And now deflected. Here comes Buffalo. Tuesday, April 12th, 2021. It's uh, the Laced Up Hockey Trade Deadline Extravaganza Podcast. Uh, we got a who's who panel of insider experts. Um, I don't exactly know what they specialize in. I think I think one of them's a teacher. Uh, another guy lands airplanes, uh, not as a pilot, but just, you know, he kind of directs them from the ground in, in a way. Reg, honestly, I don't remember what you do. Um, but uh, we'll get to all these guys in a second. I, I am James Cole, um, your your host once again, and I'm joined uh, as always by uh, my my good friend, uh, Mr. Bateglia. Yeah, when we say insider, it could be like inside the uh, the airline industry, perhaps. Um, this could be some sort of an expose episode. We'll see where it goes, uh, exposing the secret that we all knew about airline peanuts. Uh, what's the deal with them? I'm Bruce Battaglia from the north side. No, that's not true. I'm Bruce Battaglia from the high button. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you get I stuck am... in your ways after a while, you know. It's, no. it's, you know. I was there for like eight months. All right. I am uh, Reg Defio, your favorite abs fan. Hmm. Um, it's Kyle Hogan. Glad to be back on the podcast uh, for back-to-back weeks. Um, as mentioned, I am in aviation. That's what I tell most people. Most girls think I'm a pilot when I say that, and it's me lying without actually lying. So I just say I'm in aviation. I'm John Redcorn, uh, Minnesota Wild Insider. Good. I have some questions for you later on, so uh, I hope you have all your answers prepared there, Absolutely. Mr. Redcorn. Um, how's everyone doing? We had a fun, a long, nice Monday trade deadline extravaganza, as I mentioned, uh, one of my favorite days of the year. And it just kind of sucks that it's on a Monday and, and usually I don't get to watch it, but uh, I did, I did get to watch it this year. I hope, uh, all of you got to, you know, tune in at some point and, and get your fair share of knowledge. Um, so we got lots to get to law. We're going to cover all the trades and we're going to talk about, uh, why they were all terrible and uh, talk about the one that was not terrible and um, it should be a good one. I, I think it's going to be fun. We got a nice little, uh, little guest panel going on here today. So something, something different than just listening to me and Bruce drone on and on. And as I drone on and on, I will uh, care about really. Yeah. yeah. I will, uh, I will shift the focus before we dive right into it, guys. I, I just wanted to ask, I, I think John, uh, you you may have caught um, the uh, the the finals of the uh, NCAA tournament. Did you catch that game? I turned it off after the second period, James. It was uh, okay. It was not big a Minnesota game. guy. 
Yeah. 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 Hmm. That was a shame. Three, three, three teams out of the four from Minnesota. And uh, yeah, UMass takes home the title. Yeah, UMass for sure. Yeah. yeah. Love to see it. Well, well, I'm sorry to hear that, that, that John, uh, we, we, we're all, we're all keeping, uh, keeping you in our thoughts. I'm glad you can talk about college hockey though. Should be talked about yeah. more for sure. Well, yeah. And you know what? We try to do our, our due diligence by uh, expanding, expanding our minds and uh, discussing not just, not just the NHL, but the, the niche hockey as well. You might call it. Right. Uh, anybody else catch the, uh, the frozen four comments about UMass Reg. I'm sure you guys got like seven prospects from the abs on that team. Oh yeah, for for sure. Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't actually watch any of the games live, but I did catch some of the highlights. And man, oh man, college hockey is just getting funner and funner to watch at this point. I really enjoy those uh, seeing seeing some of those young kids in action. Could, couldn't agree more, Reggie. Uh, college hockey. Um, I don't know if it just started get, getting good, um, <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, no, watching it felt like oh, hanging felt like watching like the World Juniors almost. That's like the kind of level that they play at. Like I would say, uh, I was heavily on the UMD train. Uh, Thunder Bay Ryan Fanta shout out. So once they lost to UMass in overtime, I boycotted the finals. That's uh, that's pretty aggressive stance to take for sure. Yeah, no, a uh, college hockey for the record, Kyle did not just get good, but um, yeah, no, it, it, it is. I think. Um, undervalued in the the grand scope of hockey divisions available to us uh, up here in Canada. So uh, I, I, for one, would love to get into it more, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to do so next season. And uh, won't you join me? Um, <clears throat> real quick, no, I want to touch on this because it, uh, it was pretty emotional. Um, kind of a, a unique uh, set of circumstances that you don't see very often. Um, the Edmonton Oilers played a game against the Calgary Flames a few days ago that uh, coincided on what I, I believe was, the, was it the funeral or was it just a, a ceremony of a, sorts a, for Colby Cave? A memorial of sorts. Memorial of yeah. sorts, okay. And um, yeah, for the, the teammate Colby Cave, who of course passed away a year ago. And um, after the game, Conor McDavid was fairly critical of the NHL for scheduling the game uh, on the day of this memorial. Now, I saw the comments. I don't know the whole story, so maybe one of you can fill me in. But um, the the NHL was this a, a rescheduled game that they had to kind of fit back into the, the the grand scheme of things, or was this like from day one we knew this game was going to happen this night? I, I think one of the teams was supposed to be playing Vancouver that weekend. So instead of having the weekend blank, the second half of Hockey Night in Canada blank, I think they rescheduled the game. I think that's what happened. Um, okay. I don't know. I, was the NHL aware that there was a more memorial happening that day? Like, did anybody confirm that? Hard to say. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that. You know, If somebody from the Oilers the brought that up and said, hey, we have, we're having this today, and they still rescheduled it, that's kind of a, a crap yeah. by the NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It didn't uh, sound like um, in Connor McDavid's uh, post-game presser. It didn't sound like that the NHL involved the Edmonton Oilers in this process or not, or even asked them. But at the same time, it doesn't sound like the Edmonton Oilers reached out to the NHL either. So it appears that they would have been okay with it. But I guess hindsight's twenty twenty. You know, once the game was being played, maybe they realized they're like, "Why are we playing right now?" Um, what we just went through. So it's a very crappy situation all around. 
yeah, I mean, you're, you're not going to ask, uh, you know, uh, Emily and, you know, the people that were close to Colby to fucking reschedule the memorial. Like, that. that's just batshit insane. And it's uh, a rare circumstance for the NHL uh, to have a, a player pass away in, in that sort of a, you know, like a currently active player, I guess. And so... You know, they they could have been sensitive to the whole thing, and and um, whether or not they chose not to, or they had no other option, I don't know. But uh, it seems like there's a lot of off days they could have freaking picked, and they picked uh, that one. So um, to me, it it seemed like uh, uh, irresponsible of the NHL because I think that that's sort of one thing that they could have looked into, and they never did, and. Uh, I find it hard to believe that the Oilers didn't alert the NHL once that happened or, the, or that there was no communication there. I mean, that's possible, but I don't know. It seemed uh, it seemed very lazy on the NHL's part and uh, quite unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, the Boston Bruins also played that day. Of course, Colby was part of that organization prior to his time in Edmonton. Um, I know that their social media team came out with some posts about uh, about honoring his legacy and all that. So I'm not entirely sure. You know, there there seems to be a, a bit of a cloud of mystery in, in in terms of who knew what and 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 the timeline here. But uh, a, a difficult set of circumstances, regardless, to go out there and try to perform uh, in a hockey game at that level, uh, given everything that you went through, and it's got to be, you know, absolutely, you know, what I would imagine is a very eerie sensation going there and. And like Brutes mentioned, like this is this was a guy currently on the organization's uh, roster a year ago, and um, by all accounts, uh, a very dearly loved member of, of the team. And and uh, hopefully, this is this is nothing more than a a scheduling conflict that went horribly, horribly wrong, and there was no ill intent behind uh, behind this mix-up. But um, yeah, just uh, something that we thought we'd address and, and get out of the way early and um, it's always tough to do these episodes when you've got heavy content later on in the episode so uh, you want to get get those they're important content you don't want to talk about it but uh, yeah um, okay uh, trade deadline uh, you guys all watch hockey I hope because you're on this hockey podcast Watching and right um, there, there you go um, we're going to go back we're going to start from uh, from the April 7th, actually, we have a, a big trade that we haven't uh, touched on on the podcast yet. So we're going to start there. We're going to work our way forward. And uh, you can say uh, two you know, words on, on the trade, or you can uh, tell me exactly how you feel this uh, shakes the foundation of the franchise uh, dating back to its inceptions in the 1970s or, or however you, you guys want to approach this. So uh, we'll do this uh, one at a time and uh, jump in uh, when you... When you like. Okay. Still feeling the ripples of the California Golden Seals, aren't we? Exactly. How how this trade tree dates back to you know mm-hmm. Connor Mc, Mc, McClanahan, Connor McDavid's great 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 uncle. There was nobody named Connor in the seventies. Come on, probably probably not. Um, all right, April seventh, big deal. Lou Lamorello, the guy, he's wily. He's been around for a while. He knows he knows the importance of getting out there ahead of the <laughs> uh, ahead of the curb. <laughs> And uh, mm. he goes out and he picks up Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the New Jersey Devils, both retained at 50% in exchange for A.J. Green, Mason Jopes, 
2021 first round pick and a 2022 conditional fourth. This would be what you might call the beginning of the trade deadline atmosphere. Uh, yeah, it was especially crazy, as you mentioned, that they got uh, Arizona Cardinals wide receiver A.J. Green out of the deal. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was... Uh, I thought it was a... Like, here's the thing. I, this is going to be the theme of the episode. We're going to talk about, you know, giving up first-round picks and all that shit. And is this guy worth the first-round pick or isn't he? And uh, I, I think on a normal year that it's probably... Uh, uh, ridiculous price to pay for these two guys. Um, but I really don't think that a first round pick is worth all that this year, uh, especially if your scouting department is already pretty good. Uh, then then you're not really going to miss that, that pick, which I don't know that the Islanders uh, scouting staff is all that good, but uh, it's fine. Like I like Paul Mary. I like Zajac. I think they help, but uh, um. I don't really know that they make the Islanders uh, all that better either. So um, it's a it's a whole lot of it's a whole lot of something for a whole lot of nothing. I think possibly. No, very true. I think uh, I think we've seen both of those players like past their prime, and you know probably a few years removed from their their set primes. You know, like paying a first round pick for those players like back in their primes may may have sounded reasonable and. You say like this year how first round picks might not be of, of the their original essence, but you know a first round pick is a first round pick, and I don't necessarily know if those two players were worth it, even to say even if the first round pick isn't as good as it should be. Um, Paul Mieri though, like that that's definitely a guy who can play up and down your lineup. He's very skilled. He's second power play unit guy. I remember when he played on Anaheim, all the great years that he had there. Uh, hopefully he can uh, rekindle some of those on the uh, defense first Islanders. Yeah. Um, I think that's a fair assessment. Personally, I don't even see this trade as like a first rounder for both of those guys. I think Zajac is very borderline at this point and He was just thrown in there. I think this was really just for Paul Mary mo- mostly. Um, I don't think Paul Mary's, great at this point in time but he's still a a solid play driver and he's pretty good defensively and i'm pretty sure he's a if i remember correctly like a pretty decent shooter too uh so i i first round definitely steep but again like brute said this year i don't think it's going to be as big a deal as it usually is and this is the first year that he's going to be under like a 20 goal clip right like and 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 even if it were like a full 75 game season uh, he might have gotten there, right? Like it's he, he he can score goals, he can contribute for sure, and he's you know like to say too. Sorry to to kind of cut you off, John, before you spoke there, but like you know the whole thing with Paul Mary is uh, past his prime. Maybe he, he just turned thirty though, so I mean, like I don't know. Uh, it's not that he's on the right side of his career, kind of thing, but I don't I don't know that there isn't a second win there still if if the right team can get through to him. Yeah, they're they're both expiring contracts, aren't they? They're both, I yeah. believe, both expiring. So it's kind of a low risk move for the Islanders. They're they can win the division. Um, I don't know the first round pick. Hopefully, it's a later one. Is probably what they're thinking. And you know, with the lack of scouting this year with COVID and everything, they might think that you know it's worth the risk. Um, 
New Jersey retained 50%. So financially it, it kind of made sense if their owner is kind of, you know, a little bit leery on taking in a lot of money. So I don't know. I think for the Islanders, it's not a bad deal. It's low risk. They're both expiring Yeah, You gave up a first, but I don't know if that's the, the end of the world this year. I don't know. It seems to be the consensus is that it's a, it's a, it's a weak draft. Um, and it'll be more of a random draft once you get past the first round. So I don't know. Yeah. I like and it that, for that. That's the thing, right? Like, even if you had every opportunity to scout these guys, the the belief is that it's a weak draft, even, even with seeing them. Right. So it's like, yeah. you know, how much does it really, does it really matter if you're giving up this pick and, and conceivably, you know, if, if it's, if it's a crapshoot for, for everyone, then you should rely on what you do know and feel confident about that when you do get to pick. Right. Yeah. I think the biggest crime in this trade was that Kyle Palmieri had to shave his massive beard. So I'm very curious to see the split stats with uh, how he can perform with a beard and without a beard. The split stats. Yeah, I was going to ask what the bigger sacrifice was for uh, for Palmieri, the, the getting dealt in a middle of a pandemic across the river or having to shave your beard for the Lamarillo. Yeah. Um, Okay, that brings us to April 8th, in which we saw uh, just one trade. Uh, that would be Lucas Walmark and Lucas Carlson going to the Florida Panthers in exchange for Brett Conley, Henrik Borgstrom, Riley Stillman, and a seventh. Um, I, I can't imagine this is anybody has any other feelings than this is just a pure salary dump. Oh, yeah, I, I like that the Blackhawks, uh, or sorry, that the Panthers are able to move on from Brett Connolly because that deal hasn't been uh, ideal for them. Who could have foreseen? Uh, and I also thought it was cool because um, I thought that Lucas Walmark was currently on the Panthers. So uh, I learned something new when the trade happened. Yeah, I don't mind it uh, as a salary dump, like James, uh, like James said, but I don't. You know, this trade doesn't really do anything for me. Brett Connolly's fine. I don't think Walmart's all that great. Like, it's, it's a seventh rounder. These other guys are whatever. I, I just, you know, I it, it mostly is like a big salary dump to me. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I think, uh, although, too, I just to stay on with Florida, I think um, this deal definitely shaped up for what they – actually did on the date of the deadline, which we will get to later on. So setting up a very good talk that we will have about the Florida Panthers later on in this podcast. Yeah. A lot of penny pinching uh, in the deals leading up to and uh, on trade deadline day itself. Uh, One of those penny pinching deals uh, involved the Toronto Maple Leafs picking up Riley Nash for a conditional seventh round pick from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Nash of course is slated to miss the rest of the regular season. So the Leafs were able to stash him on uh, LTIR, get some cap relief right away, and uh, by all accounts should have uh, you know a fairly reliable bottom six guy come playoff time. Yeah, I actually really like Riley Nash, so I'm, I I quite quite like the trade. <laughs> I think uh, I think Riley Nash is one of those players that as long as you utilize him like to the best of his abilities, then he's a great player. But if you're trying to, you know, put him out there as like, even, you know, even like a third line kind of guy, like say for injuries or something like that, like I I don't think that's going to work. He needs to be that defensive guy and he needs to play that defensive game in the right sort of, you know, um, like the, the right allotment by the coach there. 
Kyle Dubas uh, recognizing the fact that Riley Nash has been responsible for knocking the Leafs out of the playoffs three years in a row and said, not this time. Um, up next, we got the uh, big deal here. Uh, Reg, I know you're a big fan of this one. Uh, the mm. Avalanche bringing in Patrick Nemeth uh, in exchange for a uh, 2022 fourth round pick. Well, this is, this is pretty huge, you know. Former Avalanche player, guy's a great room guy from all I hear. Uh, you know, fourth round pick, I'm not really too concerned about giving that up just to get him. It's always good to acquire more depth, seeing as the amount of defense that the Avs have already gone through this year just in the regular season so far. Um, you know, he's not like the best player at this point in his career, but I I really don't have a problem with this, especially with Detroit. I'm pretty sure retaining like 50% of the salary or something like that. So Yes, sir. It's always nice when Colorado and Detroit can come together. Yeah, exactly. Love that. Because they're, they're just the most fondest of each other, history would say. But uh, I think it's just another move of kind of like Florida setting themselves up for what they hope for is a deep playoff run. I think uh, with all the other moves that the Avalanche made that we'll get to, I think they're really shaping up that they are Stanley Cup finals or bust for them. Yeah, their big move was a couple days later getting – a great goaltender. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm I'm quite fond of Nemeth. Uh, I think that there's a lot there um, that could be that could be potentially salvaged. Um, when he's on, he he is really really good, but he hasn't been on in a while, and I don't know if that's uh, a product of playing for the Detroit Red Wings or not. Probably is. So was that Nemeth uh, or Nemeth? <laughs> I, I've never heard Nemeth, but I, I, I've, I thought it was Nemeth, too. I also think it's Nemeth, but... Okay. Names are hard. Yeah, uh, I, I was curious, if we're done on Nemeth, uh, James, were you planning to get to contract signings later? Or no? Uh, I don't have them in front of me, so I guess later. No, it's... Uh, okay, yeah, that's fine. We'll, we'll do it later. Um... The Buffalo Sabres send Brandon Montour to the Florida Panthers in exchange for a 2021 third-round pick. Uh, I, I, uh, I, I like it. Uh, watching oh, Brandon wow. Montour's okay. no, I, like this. It. I like it for Brandon Montour, not, yeah. not the team. Uh, That's the only Brandon, one I like it for. <laughs> watching yeah. Brandon Montour's post-game interviews during that massive losing streak, I, I just – like, I don't care because they make millions of dollars. Like, go fucking lose some games. I don't care. But just seeing how dejected that guy was, uh, I couldn't be happy for the dude to actually get traded to a half-decent team. So good for him. It's not great that they gave up a first to get him like two years ago, and then they got a third in return. That's not great. Yeah. I mean, when you look at it through that lens, it really doesn't sound all that good. But, like, man, oh, man, I don't really know what Florida was thinking trading a third rounder for this guy at this point. Yeah. I don't think he's a good player at all. He's like yeah. – yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Like, no, but well, that's the thing, right? It's like, yeah, sure, the previous regime gave up a first-round pick to get him, and uh, that was never a good trade. But, like, the whole thing with, you know, what the fuck were they going to get for him? Like, like he, he is uh, – I don't want to say cooked because he's what, like 25 or 26. Like, sure. Like he might, he might be fine, 
uh, there's no real reason to believe that he's a, a good hockey player, to be quite honest with you. Like he, he hasn't been good anywhere he's played and he's played enough now that I think we can say, uh, you know, I don't think he's winning a Norris or anything like that. And, and I don't really know that he's all that solid defensively. Uh, so it's kind of like the line from office space. Like what exactly would you say you do here? Like, I don't really know what the answer is for Brandon Montour. I, I just kind of view him as one of those big bodies that's slightly better at shooting than the average player, you know? Maybe. <laughs> I think I think if Ekblad doesn't get hurt, they obviously don't make this trade. And they probably asked about Ekholm, and the price was probably too high. I mean, or, or, or Nashville thinks they're still in it based on... Yeah, they're yeah maybe Nashville's not giving up Ekholm, yeah. I mean, based on a couple trades, like, again, we'll we'll get to them, but, like... Florida seems pretty confident that they can uh, rebuild broken men. And like, they've always kind of done that. And they certainly did it though over the past week or so acquiring uh, guys that they really seem to think that they can turn into this, this big reclamation project. So, I mean, good for them if, if they, if they can, but I don't, I don't really see any, uh, I don't really have any reason to believe that. Florida Panthers and chicks that save bugs, uh, always trying to repair broken men. Um, Devin Dubnik goes to the Colorado Avalanche in exchange for Greg Patteron and a fifth round pick uh, going to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, now, John, uh, I know Devin Dubnik. He's going to have that jersey retired at the end of his career in, in Minnesota. His uh, his his what his six. Vesna trophies. I think you told me that he he won there. He should have. Uh, he should have. Right. Should have. So Rob. so sorry. Had the league um, voted correctly, he should have. Yeah. Now, how quickly does does Devin Dubnik surpass Patty Waugh in terms of franchise legacy? Now that he's in Colorado. Ooh, probably pretty quickly. I would say. I think if Grubauer gets hurt the first series and then they end up winning it, I think I think you take you take Waugh's number down and put number forty up. I don't know. I mean that that only makes logical sense. I mean, right. I don't I don't know what else they would do. I I think uh, price wise, definitely a steal. Like giving up that type of pick for Dubnik. Like if if worst comes to worst, that you only have to pay. Was it a sixth? Sorry, fifth. A fifth and Padre. Paying pay, pay a fifth and for another guy who's a seventh defenseman, and just in case if you need another goaltender, why not? I mean, like, yeah. how is this? Uh, they just picked up Patrick Nemeth, so they really no longer need Patterson at all. A fifth-round pick, you know, it's it's a crapshoot. You never know what you're going to get out of that. I understand Devin Nubinick has not had the best year or the best, you know, best time in San Jose overall. But uh, I think there's still potential here in the right system for him to be okay. I just don't think this is – this is, you know – insurance it's really he should not be playing if he doesn't have to yeah 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 they don't want yeah. him to play this is we didn't like our michael hutchinson experience last uh, last year no. we don't want to do that again or the jonas johansson experience so far mm, so true hey one goal allowed against the ducks in two games i i still think that arguably the funniest scouting report i've ever heard on a player was whichever Vogel it is that writes for Buffalo uh, when Johansson got traded saying that he is by far the worst goaltender he's ever seen in 20 years of covering the NHL and that he doesn't stop pucks in practice warmups or games and he doesn't understand why he's uh, around an NHL rink. Uh, 
I thought that was great, and I'll never forget it. Pretty pretty fucking steep of a comment for, for a guy. <laughs> up like some I mean, yeah, I mean he's not. Years, but... Who, Jonas Johansson? Oh, I thought you were chirping Dubnik still. No, no, Dubnik's great. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I, I, sorry, yeah, I was, I was on a Johansson rant. Uh, I like Dubnik. I, I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I think, I, I don't think it's a particularly good move for Colorado, but um, he's better than Johansson. Like, I'll give him that, and I don't really know how good uh, their goalie needs to be because I, quite frankly, don't think Philip Grubauer is great. Um, and he's putting up Vesna caliber numbers uh, for the most part. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Dubnik's probably fine, I guess. I guess one could argue the Michael Hutchinson effect in the playoffs took a toll on a team in the East that we'll get to shortly. <laughs> I love your mini commercials within the episode. It's like the third time you've teased something already. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Foreshadowing, eh? <laughs> I'm not just gonna, well, like, I want to say it, but I'm not going to spoil the fun for James actually breaking. I was going to say, dude, dude's got to come with a spoiler alert down there for sure. Um, all right, we got the really rare three way trade now uh, up next, uh, where the Columbus Blue Jackets send David Savard to the Detroit Red Wings. I know what you're thinking. Uh, what does Detroit need with David Savard? Well, nothing, because uh, they retain half of his salary and then flip him to the Tampa Lightning. Now, Columbus retains half. And then Detroit retains half of that half. So Tampa Bay comes away paying a quarter of David Savard's salary. Uh, in return, Detroit gets a fourth-round pick from the Lightning for their troubles, uh, while the Blue Jackets get a first and a third from Tampa Bay. Brian Lashoff, also in the deal, he goes from Detroit to Tampa Bay as well. Um, Tampa Bay, like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not so sure that David Savard is, is still – the guy he was a couple seasons ago, but even if like, where's he, where's he fit here? He's, he's four or five on the depth chart. I'm, 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 I imagine. So that's great value for the lightning who uh, seem to be all in on the back to back train. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you know, like there's nothing better in life than having a three way. And that includes NHL trades. So uh, for Tampa Bay to only be paying David Savard 25% of his salary for a four or five guy, like you were saying, like, and this David Savard is like one of the guys who was coveted at the deadline and all these teams are not wanting Tampa to get better. And they're the team that gets better in a sense in the one place where they needed to get better because all around they have, a, they have the best goalie in the world. They have the best tied for maybe the best offense in the world, I'd say, and they have the best defense maybe in the world far none on their team. So I think it's just a trade that makes them a very good, in good contention to go back to back this year. Yeah. Yeah. It helps them for sure. And I, I don't know if, if they have some dirt on Steve Eiserman or something, but he seems to keep wanting to help them. They gets a fourth for his trouble, but I don't know. That's it's a fine trade. It's fine. I mean, it's a free pick. Three teams off in the yeah. same division right. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a free pick, and I mean, if he if he has that much faith in in their scouting staff, uh, and I mean, is it the pick? Is the pick from this year's draft or next year's draft? This Fourth round this year. This year, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like it's a free pick for whatever. Um, I I like the trade a lot for Tampa Bay. Um, you know, I mean, I like it a lot for Columbus too, right? Like it's uh, 
this is a guy who granted has been in the NHL a long time, but like, you know, did we necessarily think of David Savard as being all that great? Like six years ago? Like, no, he was just a guy, uh, just a guy on their blue line, uh, looking, looking for love. And so now he's, uh, he's a guy that is getting traded for a first round pick and is like, uh, slam dunk, the best defenseman or best player available at the trade deadline. Um, I, I, I think it's I think it's great. Like it's it's good for him. It's good for Columbus. It's good for Tampa Bay. Uh, fourth on the depth chart. I, I I don't I don't know about that. I think he's third at worst. Really, um, he's probably going to play with Hedman, and I think uh, probably the best D partner that Hedman's had in uh, what a year. So um, yeah, it's it, it's good. It's good for Tampa. They're they're frightening. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's definitely a very solid trade for Tampa. Uh, the what they had to get rid of it for it, and the fact that again, it's only twenty five percent of his salary is pretty incredible. Um, I, I like it for Detroit too, just making all these little moves, just retaining salary to get picks and stuff like that. I think that's good for them. But uh, as far as Savard goes, I I, I really think um, you know his game at least his offensive game isn't quite what it was a couple of years ago, but like defensively, he's still just about as good as you can get in the league. So I, I think that's a great trade for them going into the playoffs here. Uh, Jonas Siegenthaler goes to the New Jersey devils in exchange for a 2021 conditional third round pick. Now, now get this guys, uh, the pick going to Washington is uh, it's a condition on a condition because this pick is already conditionally been traded. This pick has already been potentially traded away and the devils used it again to get another asset. I, I feel like there's some, some backdoor trickery going on here. I might want to address this on the next CBA. No, 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 uh, it's fine. Like if you, if you go to the bank and you say like, I want to put a down payment on a house, uh, but I don't have the 30 grand, but I did have 30 grand a few years ago and I promise I'll get it again. <laughs> And so then the ho- then the bank gives you a house and and then that's how that works. I promised my buddy John I'd give him a hundred dollars, but he hasn't gotten it yet. So if you want it, you can have it. But I still owe him a hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. John, do I owe you any money? No. Good. No, I think you're good. Good. And we have that on the record. Yeah, I can't go back and say you do. Yeah, I mean, this uh, is a weird one. Uh, sorry to cut you off there. Uh, no, it's, it's by all means. Yeah, it, it is uh, kind of strange, yeah, having that condition on a condition for sure. So it almost feels like they did get away with something here. But uh, I think that's a good trade. I think he is a very solid, again, defensive type of defenseman. So. Yeah, Siegenthaler freaking rocks, man. I, uh, I I like I like the trade a lot for New Jersey. I mean, it's fine yeah. for Washington, right? Like they weren't using him anyway. You know, that's right. the whole thing. Like, uh, should they have traded him? No. Is he better than guys they currently play? Fuck yeah. But like, they've chosen not to. They're doing fine. And if they're not going to use him, then you may as well get something for him. Which uh, they arguably didn't. Uh, maybe they might have given him away for free. Um, but so yeah, if it's for free, that's terrible, but, uh, it's a good trade for New Jersey. I like it. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings pick up Hayden Verbeek and a fifth round pick, uh, belonging to Ottawa from the Montreal Canadiens in exchange for John Merrill. 
Um, Montreal needs depth. Sherratt's uh, out with his broken hand, so can't imagine this is just anything more of um, showing up their defense right now. It looks like they have that fourth spot locked in the uh, Scotia North Division. There, so there I think uh, <laughs> shout out Scotia, man. Uh, I think uh, I mean good on them. Um, we've seen it before. You need multiple people on defensemen other than your top six if you want to go the distance. I'm not saying Montreal's gonna go the distance, but if they were to, adding John Merrill to the to the show could definitely help them. Uh, yeah. Again, I don't have a ton to say about this, but we are having a string here of extremely good defender type defensemen, you know, shutdown type guys. And uh, I, I don't think that's a bad trade for Montreal at all. No, Merrill in the right situation is yeah. uh, is good. And, you know, if they need him, then he's better than, uh, put it this way, he's better than uh, Victor Mete was going to be for them uh, this year anyway. So. Uh, we get to our second three-way trade um, as uh, yesterday, last night, well, I guess two days ago now, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets send uh, Nick Foligno to the San Jose Sharks uh, at 50% retained, who then flip him to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, also at 50% retained. So the Leafs paying 25% of Nick Foligno's contract. They get Stefan Nosen from the Sharks as well. In exchange, the, uh, the Leafs flip San Jose a fourth-round pick. And they send a first and a fourth to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, pretty much the exact same trade as we just saw involving David Savard, except uh, insert San Jose instead of uh, Detroit this time. Um, caused a bit of a stir on uh, Leafs Twitter when the news broke last night. And uh, 24 hours later, uh, Brutes, what say you? Ooh, a lot. Um no, actually, I think I think this is really quite simple. Um, uh, my personal feelings on the trade was that I, I hated it from the moment I saw it. Uh, however, as soon as I see him in a jersey, I will love it because I happen to hate Nick Foligno because uh, the Blue Jackets played the Leafs in the playoffs one time and he was mean to us. So uh, I, I hate him. He's one of my most hated players in the league. As soon as he plays for the Leafs, I'm going to love him. So that's fine. Uh, do I think the trade is good? Yeah, I do. I think it, I think, uh, he checks a lot of boxes for the Leafs. Uh, one of the biggest problems with the Leafs this year has been their penalty kill, uh, has been for a while actually. Um, and that's sort of by design. Like they, they choose to play, uh, an aggressive system and, uh, they can use someone who can actually kill penalties as a forward. And Nick Foligno does that. Um, they don't need, uh, a high end scoring forward because they have, Five, maybe six. If you six, if you want to include Galchenyuk, they? so I don't think they need to do anything like that either. Like I think Taylor Hall would have been a, a terrible fit. Um, so yeah, like this is the type of guy that they that they needed, right? Like we always talk about how we wish the team had more than one Zach Hyman, uh, and now they do. So um, I like the trade a lot. Again, for the price, I don't really care. I think there's a, a decent chance that the Leafs are going to be trading at least one player for a second to third round pick at worst kind of thing this summer. They've proven that they can draft in later rounds. So I don't really care about the first round pick. This is a year where I was willing to light a first on fire uh, for literally just whatever the best player was that they could get. Uh, they deemed that to be Nick Foligno. I'm good with it. 
Again, honestly, I think this is a, a really good year for um, these first to be traded for guys like this because, again, this draft doesn't seem like it's going to be as good as many many of them are. Uh, Bruce made a good point about the Leafs being pretty good at drafting in later rounds. And uh, honestly, I, I just think uh, – I, I think this is a solid trade for the Leafs in the sense that, again, Bruce mentioned this, they have a good, great top five, six scores. They don't need – scores like that anymore and Felino brings that very very heavy defensive gritty type of game and he is a very good penalty killer which the Leafs could use so I think overall it's very good for them yeah definitely I think uh Nick Felino um not that it shores up anything they need it just makes them way better at the things that they want to do uh you can play anywhere up in their lineup and I think particularly on a PK that's operating at 90%, I saw tonight recently, uh, he's only going to make them better. So I think down the stretch and in the playoffs, Nick Polino is definitely a guy who you want on your team. A lot of Leaf fans may have not liked last year, but um, as they say, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And now the enemy is a part of the team. As they say, yes, Kyle. Um, I think it was a good trade. They need to get, they need, they, I don't know what you guys think, but I think they need to get out of the division in the playoffs for this year, not to be a failure. Um, and for a guy who supposedly doesn't like getting tough players, Kyle Dubas has spent a lot of time this year getting tougher players, I guess. And, yeah. He um, seems to be getting a lot of them. All of a for, sudden. A, for a stats nerd analytics nerd, like Kyle Dubas. I don't know. I, I like the trade. I don't watch the Leafs a lot, but I mean, to, if anytime you have a chance to get the second best, you know, in the league, you have to do it. Right. Oh, and, oh, sure, I'm no. Oh no, he's not even the best Felino to play for the Leafs. It'll be interesting um, to see if they play no. against each other in the Cup final, if they're matched up against one another, or, or what, how that works. But we'll right. see. Look, James, I'm just yeah. going to ask it. Uh, was Mike Felino good? Uh, he was probably like one of the top three best defensive players that have like ever played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, like, yeah, I. He I know, didn't put the I puck know, in the net. I know about a goal, and that's about that's about yeah, it. Yeah, so. he, he had one of those. Yeah. Um, a goofy helmet, a great celebration when he did score every once in a while. Um, but I was disappointed um, to find out that the Nick Felino trade did not include Mike Felino's helmet, unfortunately. Right. Uh, still hanging well, in the rafters at uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. It's it's a visor thing. You can't you can't actually yeah. attach a visor to that helmet, so it makes it tricky. Um Okay, am I the only one that doesn't think that like Nick Foligno is all that good still? I mean, he's um, good, but I I think he's uh, very very good defensively. Um, he hasn't been an offensive factor for a while, but I mean, you know, when you say that, like he's producing at roughly the same rate uh, or a better rate than Jason Spezza produced last year, and you know. He does more than Spezza does on the defensive side. So if you look at it that way, I mean, the Leafs didn't give up the first round pick to get Spezza last year, but like, I don't know. He's, he's useful. I think he, he checks off boxes of things that they don't already have. That's for sure for me. That's fair. Like, uh, like there, there is something to be said about, you know, leadership and heart and grit and all that, but I just, I don't see his on ice game as being like all that impressive to the level of, what they gave up. Now I'm not one of those Leaf fans that's bitching about what they gave up as being the problem. Cause yeah. Uh, 
trade all the assets, do whatever you have to do. Cause next year you got to be back in the same division as Tampa Bay again, and apparently Florida and, you know, Ottawa is going to get there one day. So this is, this is kind of your window. This is maybe the, the best year you're going to have on paper to go for it. But I just, I don't know. I've, I haven't liked Nick Foligno's game for a couple of years now. And I, I don't know if I was the only one uh, that felt that way. So. No, I, I, I think he's very physical. He's very gritty. Um, and it's something that they could use up front. Like, I mean, say, say what you want about um, Wayne Simmons. Like, Wayne Simmons is physical and gritty, but uh, that's it. Like, that, that's all he does. And, um, you know, like, they, they have that, but they don't have anyone who can actually play, like, 15, 17 minutes a night and mm-hmm. be effective, uh, at least defensively. And um, I think there's a strong possibility, and I know Leaf fans might not like it to hear it, uh, that Foligno ends up on the fourth line with Riley Nash during the playoffs. And I, I think that that's just going to be kind of a uh, make sure nothing happens sort of line with, uh, I don't know, with Kerfoot. Like, I don't know what the hell they're going to do with him. But um, it, I, I wouldn't be shocked if that's honestly where he ends up. But, I mean, he is someone who, you know, if you put him beside Tavares and Nylander, yeah, he might he might get the goats going a little bit, you know. You like the goats. Um Late last night, following the Nick Flino uh, trade, Kyle Dubas strikes again. He picks up David Riddick at fifty uh, percent capacity uh, for a twenty twenty two third round pick, uh, solely I imagine to ensure the fact that the Flames can't beat the Leafs again uh, on uh, Tuesday night, uh, because he's the he's the best goalie that's ever played at the Scotiabank Arena. Isn't that right, Kyle? Uh, definitely, James. Uh, I would actually like to find the numbers uh, that David Riddick holds in the uh, Air Canada Centre and Scotiabank Arena. Um, I think uh, much like the Michael Hutchinson thing that we were saying before, uh, we've watched Michael Hutchinson play all year and he's definitely had his ups and downs. I mean, he's got a positive record, though, but maybe the team inflates him his record a little bit because they're so good offensively. But He's got half decent numbers, but he's definitely not the guy who you are going to want in net if, let's say, we go down the stretch here into the conference finals and you're up against Tampa Bay, Washington, Pittsburgh, Boston, like any of those teams. I don't think Michael Hutchinson's going to be your guy. David Reddick's proved uh, in the past that he's capable of holding the net for uh, months at a time, I guess, never for a whole year, and that's what the playoffs are. It's a short – I mean, it's a long haul, but – in the essence, there's only uh, 24 games usually if you go all the way. So David Reddick's definitely capable of uh, showing up that showing up that position if they need him to play and contribute. Yeah, I mean the guys, uh, the guys a backup goaltender definitely better than Michael Hutchinson. Uh, I mean, like Kyle said, the guy can hold the net for stretches, but. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, he, he's definitely a backup. It's one of those insurance type moves. And, uh, you know, for a third rounder, it might be a little high at any other time of the year, but a trade deadline, that's just the price for these type of moves. So. Yeah, definitely. Reg, I think, um, watching Dubnik go for a fifth and then Riddick go for a third, I, I was very surprised to see like the fluctuation because you're, you're talking about there. It's, it's initial, 60 picks ahead with it could be potentially and uh james is that a pick in the 2021 or 2022 draft 2022 my guy and so that's going to be a, a pick in a draft where all these uh, players have played a full season so i guess you could say it's a little high but dubis doesn't want to run into the 
train that call train wreck that Colorado had to run into. So, you know, better to be proactive than reactive. The New York Islanders have picked up Braden. I, I was waiting for John oh. to say something because John oh, hasn't said anything fair. in a while. It's fine. Um, it's fine. It's a. It's an insurance. <laughs> it's fine for both. You're both. the goalie. Yeah, no, You're the goalie I, here, John. <laughs> I um, expiring contract, average goaltender. Hopefully, he doesn't have to play. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, like that, and that's. You know, thank you for for saying basically what I was going to say anyway. Like I don't. Uh, I hope he doesn't have to play very much. I'm not. Uh, super fond of the guy, but I mean, who like who would I rather in net right now? David Riddick or Frederick Anderson? Like uh, probably David Riddick, uh, if I'm being quite honest with you, because I that's fucked. I I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen the worst of him uh, in a Leafs jersey yet. So uh, we may as well just wait for it to happen, kind of thing. But. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the, the price is a little high for me, but I, I don't know that there were many other goalies out there that were available, uh, that would have fit under the cap quite that perfectly. Um, you know, that were much better. I mean, like, it's easy for me to bitch and moan and say that I would rather have Linus Allmark, but like, obviously he, uh, was not available. So, um, you know, I, there are other goalies I would have preferred, but, uh, I'll tell you who I'd prefer. Uh, over Michael Hutchinson, that's also David Riddick, so it's fine. Have the Leafs said if Anderson's coming back or not, or is this this move kind of you know tell us that Anderson's probably not coming back? Shrouded in mystery. Shrouded in mystery. Okay, I, I would have to think that they must think something's up with Anderson because you you don't go out and give away third round picks yeah. for nothing, right? Like third round pick is still rel- is is relatively still a high pick. There's tons of players that come out of the third round, so. Uh, if we're even looking at the flip side of this, I mean, good on Brad Tree Living to get a third round pick for a backup goalie who they were not going to resign in a month, in like two months' time. So to turn the title on that's good, good on the, them, good for the Calgary Flames. Uh, it should be mentioned I'm a Flames fan, so might be biased. No, I agree with that too. I'm not a Flames fan, but I agree with that. I think that's a good, uh, I think that's a good trade for Calgary. I think it's a good, decent trade for both teams, honestly. So. The Ottawa Senators uh, deal out a couple of defensemen, um, sending Braden Coburn to the New York Islanders and Mike Riley to the Boston Bruins. Uh, for their troubles, they get a uh, third-round pick in 2022 from Boston and a seventh-round pick in 2022 from the New York Islanders. Um, if if you're an NHL GM, do you want defensemen that were playing in Ottawa all season long? Because uh, I sure, sure don't. I'll put it this way. If I'm the Islanders, I don't want Coburn. If I'm the Bruins, I want Mike Riley. Uh, have you seen their freaking blue line? It's uh, it's a freaking disaster, man. Holy shit. They, yeah. they, they, the other night, dressed six defensemen. And I've had a hockey podcast for two and a half years, and I had heard of three of them. Three. I didn't know who three of the guys were. It's a team who's in a fucking playoff race. Like, yeah, they need Mike Riley. He's the fucking best defenseman they have all of a sudden it's crazy that, uh, for the end of i can't wait for the end of the year uh is this a boston bruin defenseman quiz that i'll be giving brutes <laughs> yeah i i don't know they had a guy named Aachen, oaken something like that i don't know never heard of him 
tell you what, uh, not re-signing Zidane Ochara is starting to look a little bad on the Boston Reds. Wow. I strongly disagree. I think I'd rather the computer-generated player over Zidane Ochara for 22 minutes a night, for sure. Zidane Ochara's had a good year. Yeah, he's playing fucking capitals. I guess. But isn't he playing at league minimum? Yep. Whatever whatever he's he's, uh, playing for, but I mean, he, he... the difference is, is like we're talking about the Bruins and we're talking about the Capitals. Like the Capitals, Capitals have. I, I know I take heat for this. I genuinely think the Capitals have uh, top four blue line in the league, and that's without Zidane Chara. Like Chara is just a guy there, and uh, it doesn't matter who they put him with. Like they put him with fucking Brendan Dillon. Brendan Dillon's great. They put him with whoever they want. And uh, if he were playing in Boston, he'd be playing with uh, fucking Stephen Camphor. For like 22 minutes, probably like it, it wouldn't go quite the same way. Definitely, I just think it makes it more spotlighted now that they're short defensemen, and ironically, they let um, one of their franchises. Well, if we're talking about letting a go. franchise defenseman go, they should have fucking kept Tory Krug. Then, if this was going to be a problem, <laughs> yeah, Tory Krug could fucking play sense. hockey. All right, if I can get back to the trade here for a minute, wow, straight off course. Uh, I will go over Braden Coburn quick. He sucks. Don't like him. So I'll just move on. Uh, Mike Riley, I think, is a pretty decent defenseman. Uh, It's kind of hard to tell on Ottawa, honestly, but I I really don't mind the guy at all. I don't think he's necessarily the best defensively. Again, maybe that's Ottawa highlighting some of his flaws, but uh, I I don't mind that for a a third-round pick. I think that's decent for Ottawa. they got to start, you know, keep – Keep stacking up the uh, the assets, and I think for Boston, yeah, it definitely shores up their blue line. Uh, John, um, Mike Riley played uh, his high school hockey for the Academy of Holy Angels in uh, Chan Hazen, Minnesota. What can you tell me about Chan Hazen, Minnesota? There, John. Uh, it's Chan Hassan, Jimmy. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know much about it. I know he couldn't crack the Minnesota Wild defensive core. Uh, he was good for us, but I don't know. It's fine. It's fine. My apologies to the nice people of Chan Chan Hazen. Chan Hazen. And again, are are we going to compare the Wild to the fucking Boston Bruins defense? They've got Jared Tenorti on the first pairing. Hmm. Yeah, there's no comparison. Uh, In in, in the wee hours of the morn, uh, that is trade deadline day. We've got there, by the way. This is now trade deadline day. In the wee hours... Uh, the Los Angeles Kings send Jeff Carter uh, 50% retained to the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for a 2022 conditional third and a 2023 conditional fourth. Um, How about you tell us, good, Jimmy? Let us know what those You want the conditions? The conditions sure. here? The conditions on the third is uh, it can upgrade to a second if the Penguins reach the 2020-2021 Stanley Cup final and Carter plays in at least 50% of those games. Uh, The condition on the fourth is uh, the pick will be upgraded to a third if Carter plays in at least 50 games during the 2021-2022 season. Good luck, Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's cooked, and uh, he has one year left, which is the big problem for me. Like, if this this were, if this were, if this were... 
then yeah, like whatever. Who who the hell cares? Again, light picks on fire. It's fake money. It's Canadian tire money. Who gives a shit? But like, um, this is a guy that they're going to have to have on their roster at $2.6 million next year. And um, like, I don't know how much of it is a product of playing in LA, but he hasn't looked good for three seasons. So, you know, like what, what is he really going to bring to the Pittsburgh Penguins, a team where I don't really think he's going to be playing with players that much fucking better than what he was playing with in LA. Uh, Because I don't know if you've noticed uh, most of the good players in Pittsburgh are centermen. So, I don't know. They, they needed someone right now because uh, Malkin's hurt or Crosby's hurt. I don't know. One of the guys that's good, that's always hurt, is hurt. And uh, they figured that this was the best option. Like, uh, okay. Now, do you think you could sell Jeff Carter to Seattle with a couple picks? Because the condition here doesn't say anything about him playing 50 games for Pittsburgh. Now, I don't have it. So in if front you just of me, take James, that third round pick, <laughs> I don't have it in front of me, James, but uh, which Pittsburgh picks are you referring to? Because uh, I think they just traded the last two they had. So, yeah, maybe so though. If, I, if, I, you know, going back to that, going back to that example of the condition on the condition, they could trade their third round pick that they haven't mm-hmm. gotten yet, um, you know, and use that to spice the deal with Seattle and, and maybe, maybe that'll work. I, I, I'm not sure. I I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at this. Like of all the trades that we're going to talk about tonight, this was the one where I was the most like, what, what the fuck is that? Like, I have no idea what uh, Pittsburgh's thinking here and there has to be some sort of a plan because it makes zero sense. Yeah. I, uh, I worked today and totally missed this one, but when I saw it later on in the day, I was kind of baffled by it. I don't really understand the picks uh, Pittsburgh traded away. I mean, again, it really doesn't matter. Like the picks aren't that big of a deal. It's more just, I don't know why they would go and pick up Jeff Carter. Uh, In all fairness, I think he's had a slightly better year this year than he has in the past few, but that doesn't really mean much when the guy hasn't been good for a while now. 20 points in 30 games. 19 points. On LA, no less. Yeah, it's not terrible. I don't know. I, like, Coop said, I don't know where he's going to play. Like, once everyone's healthy, or if everyone gets healthy, but, I don't know. Sidney Crosby has this weird habit of taking guys that no one knows about and turning them into uh, goal scorers. So maybe he can take Jeff Carter, who no one today knows about, and turn him into a goal scorer. Um, Only if McDavid had the same factor. The the Boston Bruins did it. Uh, they they got the guy. They got the big fish. They they caught the the twelve inch trout. How, is that big? I'm not sure. Vertices uh, are uh, <laughs> Taylor Hall to the Boston Bruins, fifty uh, percent retained, along with uh, the aforementioned Curtis Lazar, in exchange for the uh, artist formerly known as Anders Bjork and a 2021 second round pick. Now, what uh, Boston lacks in defense, they're trying to make up for in offensive output. Apparently, yeah. Um, why? I don't. I don't really love this one. <laughs> um, like Taylor Hall, yes, is still pretty, pretty, uh, pretty elite offensive play driver, but his defensive numbers have not been good for a while, and he literally might be the. 
highest paid worst finisher in the league since his MVP year. So. Yeah. I um like, like put it, put it this way, right? Like Taylor Hall is a former heart winner and, um, you know, like was outstanding in that season. Don't get me wrong. Like he completely dragged uh, the team kicking and screaming to the playoffs. But in the two years following that, he, uh, well, sorry, in the one year following that, he played 33 games and has been injured sporadically since then and was injured sporadically before that and is 29 years old. Like, we literally just finished talking about uh, Kyle Palmieri being cooked at 30, and he just turned 30. Like, maybe Taylor Hall's hit that that uh, wall. And... Um, like there's a lot you can say about Taylor Hall, right? But but sort of where I rest on it now is uh I don't anymore consider him in the uh who the the Brad Marchand, um Mitch Marner, Mark Stone, Nikita Kucherov class of wingers. Like he is somewhere in between that and like Tyler Toffoli for me because uh yeah, he drives play. He's a good winger. Like he still is a good winger. Um, but at some point the puck's got to go in for you and it hasn't for three, four years now. Um, like I'm, I'm just kind of at that point where I think maybe injuries kind of cook this guy and, uh, he kind of is what he is now, which is at best a second line winger. Uh, the other problem here is that his, his centerman's going to be David Krejci. Uh, so I, I don't know. Krejci's had a hard time clicking with certain guys and, is not exactly a spring chicken himself. So I don't know how that's really going to work out. I think uh, the problem with Taylor Hall right now is his confidence is completely shot. And so uh, when he's playing the way he's been playing, he's not even in the Tyler Toffoli class of wingers, right? So Yeah, playing in Buffalo will do that apparently. You know, on a little tangent here, very quick. Yeah, is he is he the first guy to get depressed playing in Buffalo? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that uh, little tangent went on about the uh, the elite wingers in the league. That's definitely Miko Rantanen erasure, but I'm I'm just gonna you know let that go. I sorry, <laughs> he's not a top twelve winger in the league. I could have named any twelve guys. Really, the good news is uh, for the Boston Bruins is that. Uh, they didn't have to pay top twelve winger price to get the guy. So yeah, and that's another uh, that's, thing. Right? That's probably the. I I think that's the bigger tell here is the fact that they were able to get Taylor Hall for as cheap as they did, and like the guy shows up in the playoffs. Like, admittedly, he's only been to two of them because he's played for awful teams. But two of them. He's, when when did he play a yeah, second one? Last year. Yeah, he had one with the Oilers too, didn't he? Or no? No, no. Oh, he he was Where? with the Devils. That Devils oh, yeah. in 2017, oh, yeah. 2018, yeah, and Devils. with uh, the Coyotes. Yeah, but Arizona did Arizona make it out of the play-in round? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think you can call it the playoffs. They were in the bubble. No, it's it's well, whatever. Like I just I, I made the first. I, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't considering that, but uh, yeah, no. Regard. I thought. I just thought of him in New Jersey, and that was it. I, do yeah, I, I don't know. Like, apparently, according to Kevin Adams, like this was the only team that stepped up to the plate and made a serious pitch to get him, and that's where he went. Because I, I think, like, at the end of the day, if, if you're Kevin Adams, who apparently is not very good at trading, um, and no. and you had anything better than this, I think you go for it. 
because it's not a lot, but it, I, I don't know if that's the only deal, if that's the only offer you got, then yeah, you take it. Sure. Yeah. I just wanted to add this. Uh, Cause I have said my piece about Taylor Hall. I don't think Anders Bjork is a bad pickup for Buffalo. I think he's a pretty decent defensive player. I don't think he's like any revelation or anything, but you know, if you're already getting a uh, first round or whatever for Taylor Hall, like uh, it's not a bad throw in. Oh, a second rounder, my guy. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Second rounder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks pick up Adam Gaudette from the Vancouver Canucks in exchange for Matthew Highmore, a player I have never heard of before. So, uh, good for them, I, I suppose. Yeah, I really um, don't much to say about this. That's fine. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know who Highmore is, and I don't think Gaudette's very good. So, two players that needed a fresh start, and that's exactly what it is for him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers pick up Dmitry Kulikov from the uh, New Jersey Devils in exchange for a 2022 conditional fourth round pick that goes to a third uh, if the Oilers win a single playoff round in the playoffs, which is a hilarious condition. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that condition. That is that is absolutely bonkers to me. Yeah, but like, yeah, could you like, could you bump it up if we win around? Like, would that be okay? Fucking yeah, Tom, thanks. Yeah. I mean, the good news is uh, for the Devils is that uh, the Oilers now have Dmitry Kulikov, so the chances of them winning around went down. He's terrible, and uh, fucking as as a fan of uh, a team in the Oilers division, and as a guy who writes about another team that is probably going to play the Oilers in the playoffs, it's good news for me. Yeah, it's not. I wouldn't. I I I wouldn't get too high on that uh, team you write about uh, and their. Uh, deadline day but uh yeah no they they they're looking pretty against the oilers for sure that's that's a good start yeah i mean i i suppose i don't know kulikov's not all that good anymore but like it's it's just one of those other uh, another insurance kind of pickup and honestly like i don't necessarily think he couldn't crack the lineup i just think he's fighting for that sixth spot sort of thing yeah, uh, edmonton so yeah. That's all, that's all I have to say about them. Boy, the uh, the San Jose Sharks pick up Magnus Chorna from the Tempe Lightning in exchange for Frederick Clayson. Cool. I'm not sure I've heard no. of either of those guys. No, no money exchange. They're they're both on AHL deals, so that's that's good. Cool. Pick See you later. Uh, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, we're going to oh, move on perfect. from that deal. That's it. That's all the analysis. <laughs> Some pretty sweet names in that deal. Yeah. Fred, Frederick Clayson, yeah. If there's a trophy for best deadline name, I mean, you could put him up there. Or he'd be in contention. Good for I him. Kind of like Magnus Krona or whatever is. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Whatever James said. Sounds like a Croatian soccer player. It's actually a Czech beer brand. Oh. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cronenberg. Nice. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Reds, you like this, the Colorado Avalanche uh, have gotten back together with their ex, Carl Soderberg, in exchange for Josh Dickinson and some guy named Ryder, Ryder, Ryder oh, yes. Rolston. 
I don't really understand this one at all, but that being said, they gave up like basically nothing. Dickinson didn't look like he was panning out to be much. I know he was still pretty young, but he has not had promising results so far. And Rolston literally got drafted in the fifth round last year. He, I mean, at this point, he's still an unknown quantity, but he's like, a, I, I can't remember if he's a, a, a junior, like a maybe a sophomore at Notre Dame, whatever he is. Uh, he... he I, I really don't think they're giving up too much for Soderberg. This is, again, Sackick's just shoring up, you know, making sure he has all the depth players he could possibly need for this playoff run. Uh, Soderberg's numbers definitely have gotten worse in the last few years, but I still think he brings that defensive game a little bit to the table. So I don't I don't hate it at the end of the day. Yeah, it's it's a piece. It's it's fine. And if you're the Chicago Blackhawks, how could you pass on picking up assets such as Ryder and Dickinson? <laughs> Son of Minnesota Wild great Brian. I assumed is that they're really? all related. So, yeah. Also, is that does that make him nephew of Ron Ralston? Because that was actually the first name that came to mind. Are Ryan? Are Ryan? Are Brian and Ron brothers? I don't know. Well, you're, fuck, John, you're, you're a the Wild fan. You got to know about the Ralston family. You probably see them at all the fucking alumni events you guys go to. Yeah, true. Um, uh, up next is uh, my pick for possibly the uh the not the steal not the steal but the the best trade of the day uh in which the calgary flames somehow turned sam bennett into emil heineman and a 2022 second round pick kicking in a a sixth of their own back to florida i was nervous you were going the other way with that yeah but they don't even get that player right they get the rights to sign him is that correct i thought i heard that's that's more than what sam bennett's worth yeah yeah that's fair yeah, to uh, sure agrees. out of all the trades that happened on deadline day, if we're going to make fun of like value for a player, the fact that Sam Bennett went for more than Taylor Hall did and Taylor Hall is definitely not good right now. But the fact that uh, six points in 38 games, at least Taylor Hall is more than 20 points. Uh, Sam Bennett, six points in 38 games. And he warrants uh, basically two second round picks because uh, this guy was a second round pick just five months ago from uh, the Panthers. So I, I just can't, cannot believe this, honestly. I mean, he, he was a bust of a pick, fourth overall. And it sucks for the franchise, but any GM would have made that pick in that position. If, if only they could have picked third, right, Hoagie? Yeah, no kidding. If only the Oilers could have picked sixth in 2016 as well. That's right. But, uh, but you know, for, for Trilliving, I mean, you kind of just have to uh, bite the bullet and – for biting the bullet and gaining a second round pick and another person who was drafted in the second round, I guess it's not that bad to clean up your mess, clean, wipe your hands and say goodbye. But um, hopefully Sam Bennett can do something in Florida. Um, we were talking about the depth signings that Florida had earlier. I think uh, they, they have immense top end talent. I'm not sure what they're going to do with Ekblad being out for the foreseeable future, I believe. Um, but it's never a bad thing to have depth, and Sam Bennett is known for being a playoff player. So let's see how he plays in the playoffs. I uh, I really like this for Calgary, but I I don't. I definitely think Florida overpaid, and again, they're kind of picking up all these players who a lot of teams are deeming you know not worth trying to reclaim at this point. But uh, I don't hate it that guy had a lot of offensive potential at one point like even though a lot of other aspects of his game hasn't panned out like he's still what like 23 24 something like that he's not old at all 
he could turn this around still, even though I do like to, I, I like the trade for Calgary a lot. Cause there was, there's no coming back from where they've gotten to in the relationship. So. I mean, I, I agree with Reg like 75% there. I, I do think, um, I mean, look, I, I've made it known before. Um, and much to the dismay of Calgary Flames fans, Kyle. But I, I, I don't really consider Sam Bennett a bust. I think Sam Bennett was more or less uh, not developed by the Calgary Flames because they, they, didn't all, they also didn't develop any of their other players at the time. And uh, that's fine. Like that, there's nothing wrong with that. It also probably lies on Bennett to some degree too. Uh, do I think that there's much to reclaim there? Like I don't know about that either, though. Like I, I think maybe the window is probably closed for him to to really be developed into um, a productive NHL player. He is only 24, uh, and he wouldn't be the first guy to to take uh, six years or seven years to get there, but those types of development paths we see less and less now and knowing what we know about sports science and everything like that, like there's just a decent chance that, uh, that that window is closed. Like there's a really good chance that that window is closed. Am I willing to say that this is completely useless for Florida? No, not at all. Like there's, there's something there. And uh, I, I'm a big believer in a change of scenery for any guy. It could be a 34-year-old guy, and, and I still think that there's something to be said about that. Um, having said all that, fucking great work by the Flames still, though, right? Because, like, he was never going to... Say, say the Panthers turn him into this fucking 50-point guy. Let's just say. He was never going to be that in, in Calgary. Like, that window also is closed. Uh, he, he was going to just go in, look at the rink, look at the surroundings, same thing every fucking day. Uh, and he clearly wanted out and there was clearly no bringing him back to, you know, getting him to be this guy that maybe you can develop and whatnot. So, uh, I think, I think there's blame on both sides, but he needed that fresh start and he gets it. Is he going to do anything with it? There's a pretty good chance he doesn't, but I don't hate it as much for Florida as, as people made it out. Uh, but a great return for the flames. No question. Bruce, you mentioned that uh, this was a, this, this wasn't a deal that uh, garnered nothing for the Florida Panthers. You're absolutely right; they did get a sixth round pick from Calgary as well. So, um, <laughs> you guys remember and when they, I said that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Well, yeah, and they uh, uh, they'll at least conceivably get a game out of Sam Bennett at some point. You would think. There you go. Uh, there minimum. it is. So that's that's something. Uh, remember when I said off the hop that uh, three-way trades were rare? Well, we were about to get to our third. Uh, <sighs> a threesome of threesomes, if you will. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks nice. uh, send uh, Matthias Yanmark to the San Jose Sharks, who will, apparently will pay for anything. Uh, they eat half of his salary after Chicago eats half of his salary. And the Vegas Golden Knights end up with Matthias Yanmark at 25% of his salary, which is... Uh, five hundred and sixty-two thousand dollars. They are capped out, if you uh, to say the least, paying him less than league minimum to play in Nevada. They also get Nick DeSimone, uh from the San Jose Sharks and a fifth-round pick in twenty twenty-two from the Blackhawks. Further trouble, the Sharks get a fifth-round pick in twenty twenty-two from uh, Vegas, courtesy of the Buffalo Sabers, and the Chicago Blackhawks get a second in 2021, and a third in 2022 from Vegas. A lot of work for Matias Yanmark, yes? Uh, yeah, puzzling. Like, I don't, uh, 
I what the fuck? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, I guess uh, he has decent underlying numbers in in Dallas. Uh, he was one of the worst players in the NHL this year in Chicago. Um, like, sorry, at, at five on five value, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, the the first thing I thought of when I saw the deal uh, and what they paid is I genuinely think uh, that no teams were helping Vegas out and that they had to give up maybe an extra pick or something to just get someone to help them out because uh, there were only so many players that they could acquire. There were only so many players that are only so many teams that could help them acquire these players. And uh, I think, uh, I think Chicago took them for a ride a little bit here. Good on them. Uh, definitely. When I woke up today and I saw Matthias Janmark as the number one coveted piece of trade center on both TSN and Sportsnet, I immediately thought that they would be underwhelming at best. It didn't turn out to be. I thought uh, there was a lot of trades today, considering that uh, there's quarantine going on and a pandemic. But uh, when Matthias Janmark is the number one trade bait and the trade was as underwhelming as he is as a player, um, it's not good. I don't think he makes Vegas any better, to be honest. Like, they're going to stay the same. Yeah, this is uh, this is definitely kind of a strange one. Um, I think everybody but Vegas won this trade, honestly. Uh, Vegas ended up with a player who is okay defensively. It is basically like overpaying for Carl Soderberg. I don't understand this one. I have no I mean, idea. At the end of the day, this this might prevent them from uh, having to dress like 15 or 16 skaters again in the future, which I'd rather Matthias Janmark than than nobody. That's something. Man, it's kind of weird that they didn't end uh, up shipping any salary out, though, either. Like yeah. they, they brought in Matthias Janmark and added on to their cap woes, and yeah, they, they never ended up dumping anybody yeah. for yeah. Their, that was, their trouble. I, I, I'll say this. The point that I just made solely rests on the fact that maybe there's something cap-wise that I don't understand that they can fit an extra person on the roster. Sure. Because yeah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know. If this guy's taking someone's job, holy fuck, it's a bad trade because I'd rather almost everyone on Vegas' active roster than Yanmark. But I don't know. Uh, Knowing Vegas, Yanmark uh, uh, will have five goals <laughs> in the opening round series against the whoever they play. Definitely. Uh, Wasn't he uh, good in the playoffs for Dallas, like during their – Cup run, like do uh, he had eight points, one goal. It's fine. It's like, better I than no points. Eight, eight points from your third liner. I mean, that's not bad in the playoffs. I mean, it's it's pretty bad. But <laughs> one one goal is pretty bad. But whatever, they got there. The Leafs didn't. What the hell am I talking about? True. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks get a fourth round pick from Vancouver uh, in exchange for Madison Bowie. And a fifth round pick. <laughs> Wait, what? So the uh, same. Yeah, what? Yeah. Are they Don't... different years? Nope, same year. No, it, it, <laughs> it's it's a fourth for Bowie and a fifth. Yeah, yeah. That's why. Oh, okay. Well, it's not it's not the same round, so I don't know why we're confused here. No, it's the same year. Yeah. So, so what? You move it's... down around, and you 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 get Madison Bowie. Because the Canucks need someone to play because yeah. they traded one of their defensemen today. Yeah, you need so players. They, 
They, they yeah, they, they got they just got Bowie. I think uh, this is another one. Uh, do you guys recall when Madison Bowie was regarded as like a, a more top end like defensive prospect like years ago, and he played on the World Junior Team? Oh fuck yeah, he was the the future of the Washington Capitals defense at one point. Do uh, how, how old is Madison Bowie? Uh, not yeah, not that young. Yeah, like he's twenty eight, probably twenty nine. Twenty five? So. No, like 25. oh, he's twenty five. I mean, in a way, this could be like what you said about Bennett. I mean, this is a guy who maybe not has peaked, but probably has the potential not to be any better than he is. But, you know, a fresh start for somebody who obviously has the skill set to be good, but just has not found his his way. So, I mean, he's he's going to get nothing but an opportunity playing in Vancouver now. So, I mean, it's it's on him to make the most of it. Yeah, a fourth yeah. fresh start that should do the trick. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, that's the thing, right? It's like it, that's the difference for me is like it's the fourth different organization. And, like, how much of Madison Bowie being a high-end prospect at the time was related to him just being good in junior and making the junior team, right? Like, uh, he was a late second-round pick, and maybe the Capitals jumped on him because he was a little, you know, uh, mature for his size kind of thing in junior. And, and like, he's very likely just one of those guys that uh, didn't have the potential, and we just thought he was going to be really good because he was good in junior. I guess to, to what you said, then it's a guy who can uh, play the game of hockey till they can acquire someone new in the offseason. Yeah, he'll he'll do that. You got to hope. Yeah, uh, at, at, the, at this point, at this, the uh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, like, on like it, it doesn't matter. They dropped around to get the guy. It really is just a defenseman. But like, I feel like people weren't being very nice to Jim Benning because he could have got. I feel like any a lot of other defensemen for not very much that were at least a little bit better than Bowie. I don't think he's very good at this point in his career. I understand he's still young, but mm, I don't like him. Oh, I thought you were talking about Benning. No, yeah, yeah. Benning's still pretty young. You know, he's got he's time. Pretty to, young. He's got time to develop for sure. Yeah, he's time to come ass. into his own. Uh, it was around this time where uh, we hit the three o'clock mark and trade deadline technically ended, but uh, a few trades did trickle in and we're going to get to them. The, the, here's the big one. This, this has got to be by all accounts, the, the surprise deal of the day. Uh, Anthony man, there's always one. Up, yeah. That's why I love the and deadline, he, right? There's always one where it's like, what the fuck? Like, so like no one on the radar, right? It's great. Remember that it. year Jose Theodore and David Abisher got traded one for one. That was came out of no, nowhere. No, that was nuts. That's, that's great too. <laughs> uh, uh, Anthony Mantha ends up with the Washington Capitals in exchange for Richard Panic, Jacob Vrana, a 2021 first and a 2022 second round pick. Steve Eisenman, go get yours. Uh, wow. Steve Eisenman um, is, is a wizard. I think uh, Tampa Bay has some dirt on Eisenman, so he's giving them free players. Clearly, he has something on uh, whoever the fuck's managing Washington right now. Uh, uh, that is a haul. I mean, and Mantha's a great player, though. I mean, not not as good as he was in junior. He was a very prolific scorer in the QMJHL. But uh, for a guy who's put up, uh, I think, four straight 20-plus goal seasons now and has, like, a couple of 30-plus goal seasons in there, too, guy who's in his prime, the, they talk about this being a hockey deal, and not a lot of straight hockey deals happen on deadline days. A lot of rentals, pending UFAs. Uh, Anthony Mantha is in the first year of a four-year contract extension. So this 
both ways. I mean, it's a straight hockey deal. I mean, good on uh, Detroit to to part ways. I mean, I, I I got nothing left to say. I mean, it's a pretty crazy trade. Yeah, I uh, I'm a big fan of this one for both teams. Honestly, I I understand Detroit got a big haul. But I think Manta has the potential to be unbelievable with the Capitals. That kid is unreal in Detroit, and that team is an absolute, like, dumpster fire. They're terrible, and his numbers are, like, his underlying numbers are pretty incredible in just about everything except for special teams. Like, the guy really has looked and shown flashes that he can be, like, just just about one of the premier players in the league. I'm not talking, like, the top tier. He's no, like... McDavid, he's not like, you know, uh, uh, McKinnon or something like that. But I think he can be like that second tier, that level right under. And he could be, you know, one of the next really, really good players for Washington here. Yeah, definitely, Reg. Uh, I think Mantha is a guy who took a lot of heat in his first couple years in the league because he was nearly a three point per game player in the QMJHL in his final season. I believe, like around two and a half. Uh, McDavid-esque junior numbers. So he's a guy who took a lot of heat in his first few years, but he has definitely uh, came into his own in the last like four years in Detroit and has put up insane numbers on a dumpster fire of a team in Jeff Blaschel's system. So very uh, eager to see what he can do uh, with Washington, especially on their power play that already has so many weapons. John or James? John. John, we haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, any comments on the Anthony Mantha front? What else is now? Uh, it's it's fine for both teams. I think Mantha, a fresh start might help them. I think Detroit got a good return. I don't know. It's fine for both teams. I like it. That's good. Are you winning your uh, fantasy league game or whatever it is you're doing? I am, James. Yes, thank you. I, I don't know much about Detroit or Washington. I don't, I don't really watch much of the East. Mostly the north and the west Ooh. this year for me. So north and the west, um, big northwest guy. It's uh, I, I think it's a fine trade for both teams. We'll see. Time will tell. Pronounced the discovery central. This was this trade to me was literally the most exciting trade that happened like in the last week. Uh, I understand yeah. Taylor Hall was the for big sure. guy, but this is by far the most exciting trade for me. Yeah, this was the most uh, exciting trade for me since probably like during the during deadline season, since probably Mark Stone. I I uh, and here's why. Um, look, I'm going to preface this by saying that I've been wrong uh, by predicting the highs of certain players before. If you'll recall, when uh, Alex Galchenyuk was once traded for Max Domi, I thought Alex Galchenyuk was going to go and score like 80 to 90 fucking points on Arizona. So I I need to preface my point by saying this, because I don't want to get anyone too excited here. Uh, But I think uh, that Anthony Mantha in the right situation has the potential to score 35 to 40 goals with regularity. Uh, He has a fucking remarkable shot. He is very smart, and he's six foot four and skates like the fucking wind. Um, he's a guy who going into the season, I probably would have put, uh, at least at the Olympic camp, if not on the Olympic team. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very high on Anthony Mantha. I think in the right situation, uh, he's going to do a lot of damage. I think the right situation, yeah, Washington's pretty high up there. I mean, there is a, a decent chance that, um, like who who knows what's going to happen long term with Ovechkin? He's probably going to play there, but who the hell knows how good he's going to be and 
all that kind of shit. So they might need, you know, another high end goal scorer pretty soon. And uh, I think that this is a great place to go. I, I'm not, um, I'm also not incredibly high on Jacob Vrana, really. Um, I, I think he's good. Like, I think he's a fine second, second line winger, but uh, like I compare him to like Thomas Tatar. Like he, he's, he's good. He's, he's not great. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I actually don't think that this was a remarkably insane haul for Anthony Mantha. I think this this is probably what he should go for. The only issue is that he hasn't having a good year and to trade all this for a guy who has what I, I don't have in front of me, like 21 points or something like that. Yeah. That's, yep. that's not great. That's not great. Uh, so that doesn't look great. I understand the reaction to the trade, but I do think that Mantha is one of those guys that's got a lot more to bring. Uh, and I thought a very interesting part about it was um, after the trade, uh, a couple NHL insiders, a couple different ones, uh, mentioned that they had spoken to executives uh, that voiced their frustration that Steve Eiserman did not reach out to them because if they knew that Anthony Mantha was available, they would have given up more than that, which I thought was fascinating. Um, and I don't know if that's true. Teams might just be sour because the Capitals look good. That's like telling Walmart you're mad at them for not telling you, not telling you that they had a PS5 available for sale. Just go to the fucking store, figure it out for yourself. Uh, Jacob Vrana, of course, uh, has matched Anthony Mantha for career high in goals in the season with 25. Um, I'm a little curious about like how this plays out at the end of their careers because they've had offensively very similar paths to this point. So. Um, maybe this is a factor where Mantha's been held back in Detroit and Verano's already reached his potential, you know, cap in terms of what he is in Washington, but, uh, uh very comparable players, uh, on the outside looking in. Yeah. The, the only other thing I wanted to add to this, uh, I kind of disagree with Bruce only, only in the sense that I do think that Verana is a pretty decent pickup. I think he's a, a, a good little player. I just, I also kind of, think what James was saying there that he is getting very close to reaching his peak even though he's a little bit younger than Mantha I think he's almost there as compared to Mantha who I think could still you know rock it up a little bit I mean like like that's my thing with Vrana right is like when he when he's given the opportunity to play uh top line minutes and when he's been given the opportunity to play against good defenses he he doesn't produce so you know like he is he is kind of one of those guys where it's just, I, I don't know that he is quite elite. Uh, and I think he kind of is capped out, but I mean, you know, at the very worst to James's point is if it does end up being a wash Mantha for Brana, then Detroit's just back where they started with a first and a second. And I guess Richard panic to show (laughs) for it. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like, like whatever, like it, 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 you know, at the very worst, at the very worst for Detroit, they don't lose the deal. Um, because Steve Eisenman's right. Like, by the time they're ready to compete, Mantha's going to be, what, 30? What the hell's the sense in hanging on to him? Like, I don't understand why teams... Uh, yeah. I mean, te- teams trick themselves into believing that they're better than they are all the time. And that's the biggest fucking problem, like, especially with this deadline. Like, Nashville's... Nashville thinks they're good to go and win the cup like that. Okay. Fucking have yeah. fun. See you in the first round against Florida or Tampa. Like that'll be great. Um, you know, and, and so like, they're the perfect example of a team where it's like, 
while we feel like we have a real shot to win right now because we have Philip Forsberg and uh, yeah, like that. By the time you guys are going to be anywhere close to winning, Philip Forsberg is going to be thirty-five. Uh, like, like they are far away from being a cup contending team. They don't have any elite talent, so it's one of those things. Like, I don't get why more teams don't do that. Of course, you know, David Poyle's a GM in Nashville, but it, it, that is just one example. Yeah, and and that's exactly it. That's why these teams don't do it is because it, that's the next guy's problem. You know, like right, if, if right, I get, and I like I yeah, I get it from a GM standpoint where it's just like fuck it, like I'm gonna get fired regardless. But like, is how is there no one in in the ears of the ownership or even ownership to have sense themselves to just be like, yeah, we're not that good. Like those are the guys that are supposed to tell them, and they don't. They probably don't even know they own the hockey team. To be honest with you, yeah. Um. The Anaheim Ducks get a 2022 fifth-round pick from the Toronto Maple Leafs in exchange for Ben Hutton. Sure. I guess. I mean, when you talk about defensive depth, I'm not even sure if Ben Hutton counts as defensive depth. I mean, he's not that good. I guess he kind of needed to add somebody for the sake of adding somebody. The market's pretty thin on good defensemen out there, and I guess they didn't want to give up much considering the Leafs only have six picks in the next two years of drafts. So I don't know if Kyle Dubas really wanted to remortgage any or mortgage more of the future than he already has. And not that I don't think he needed to. I think I think they're fine on the back end, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's fine. Like, it's it's a body. He's a guy who's shown in, uh, in good circumstances that he can play. Like, he was good in L.A. last year and um, analytically, they're a good team. So are the Leafs. So uh, I don't really see Hutton uh, getting in unless certain things happen with Sandine, I guess. Uh, and I mean, someone's got to get hurt for either of those names to be a factor anyway. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like if, if the Leafs are going to roll their six, that's great. Uh, heard an interesting stat on Trade Center today that like each of the last six or seven cup winners have used like eight plus defensemen during their cup run. Like guys get hurt. I would rather Ben Hutton in than a hurt Travis Dermott. Um, yeah. So sure, like Not he even might hurt. be useful. It's fine. It's COVID protocols or something like that. Like it doesn't even have to be hurt. Like yeah. Well, and also uh, if you watch Travis Dermott play, maybe you'd rather just Ben Hutton anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't love Ben. I Hutton. love the I, I love the dermatologist, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'd, a... I'd probably prefer a few of the Bantam guys that we, uh, sorry, the midget guys that we coached over Ben Hutton, but yeah, for sure. Oh, I thought you were yeah. going to say Travis Dermott. Yeah. Like, oh, you're a big fan. I was like, wow, that's surprising. Yeah, James, I'm, I'm also not a big Hutton fan. Uh, I don't know. His, he's like okay offensively, and I'm pretty sure he's like really good on the PK, but that's like all I got to really say about the guy. He's just another body. Yeah, like I'm, I'm well aware that the Leafs didn't have any picks out there that were already conditioned off, so that they couldn't offer uh, Washington uh, a conditioned on a condition for Jonas Siegenthaler. But I think that that would have been probably the place to start over Ben Hutton. I digress. It's better than this next one because the Montreal Canadiens get Eric Gustafson at fifty percent for a twenty twenty two seventh round pick from the Flyers. Uh, uh, you know, hmm. Kyle, you, you, you experienced uh, Eric Gustafson. Um, uh, how did you feel about this? Well, um, got to experience Eric Gustafson for four games, and then the pandemic happened. So my knowledge of Eric Gustafson before the bubble 
was uh, next to none. And he did nothing. Uh, wasn't even in the lineup in every game they played during the bubble. So I guess I have less knowledge than I would have even before. Um, uh, all I knew is that they were saying he was a power play specialist. Uh, so I thought that uh, the Flames power play was going to be right mint. Uh, turns out it wasn't. Not so much. So, I mean, Montreal's power play is abysmal. So maybe Eric Gustafson could be the power play specialist there. Yeah. TBD, as the kids say. I don't see what the point of this trade is. Like a seventh round pick is almost nothing. It's just literally acquiring just one more shot in the dark for Philadelphia. It's not even Montreal's seventh round pick. It's it's St. Louis's. Yeah. <laughs> That's even worse. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay. And uh, huh? as far as the rate that St. Louis is losing, that pick might rise way up. You know? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Exactly. Not a bad pick to invest in. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. It's a. It oh is wait, a, the picks for next year. Never yeah. mind. Uh, not as good, yeah. Oh, never mind. They might be good next year. That's a bad pick. But, uh, yeah, Gustafson does nothing for me. I don't really understand the trade from Montreal's perspective. Like, I guess, again, it's just another body sort of thing. I don't know. I don't think he should be in the lineup, really. I mean, here's the funny thing. Who would you rather, Eric Gustafson or Victor Mete? Because I'd rather Victor Mete. And it's, I, I would rather Victor Mete. Oh, it's like, not even close. They're the same thing, so... Kind of weird, but I mean, yeah, fucking, I don't know. Like, I, I get it. Like, you want defensive depth. You're going to go on a playoff run. Conceivably, you feel good about beating the Leafs in the first round. So, if you're going to go on a run, like, you're going to need guys. But uh, Gustafson is just a bizarre fit to me because uh, Montreal likes their big uh, sort of blocky defenseman. By that, I mean they can't skate. And uh, Gustafson's an offensive, purely guy that doesn't do anything defensively. He's terrible. Uh, weird fit, but I don't know. He might be useful. It's a seventh. Who cares? Yeah, it's... that's true. And, you know, Gustafson's only, uh, I guess, a season and a half removed from, I think he put up like 15 goals on the back end for Chicago and like. Bro, this, this guy points. had 60 fucking points two years ago. Yeah, yeah. That's what, what I'm the, saying. What the fuck was that? Yeah, like, no, what the fuck was that? Like, that guy wasn't even mentioned in any like Norris talk or anything. Like you, well, you're normally mentioned with those numbers. Yeah. For numbers alone, like you, you would have thought you would have known that he had a 60 point season. I only knew that because he was traded to Calgary last year. But uh, I, I guess that there did it for his potential that he could do it again. But he was also playing on a D pairing with Duncan Keith, so that definitely does help. Sorry, just emptying the last of my wine uh, into my glass there. Um, Are we going to get an uh, ad read here? 2018 California Bar Dog Cab Sav. A smooth finish and a great way to spend your time on a video call with five dudes. Mm. That's all I have. Five guys. (laughs) Five guys, right. Uh, We can't say five guys. Yeah, exactly. That's That's what I'm naming the episode. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get let's get back to some trades here. We got five left. We're gonna talk about some signings, and then we'll. Uh, I I don't know if, if you guys want to do the game still or not, but we'll uh, we'll address that then. Um. The Anaheim Ducks pick up Hayden Flurry from the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for a 2022 sixth round pick and Yanni Hakenpah. 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 
Huck and Pucks. Ducks, the Ducks announcers pronounce it Hawk and Paw. So okay, uh, let's go with that. Hayden Hayden Flurry, uh, a one-time guy that I thought was going to be fucking sick. Uh, apparently not. Yeah, I thought he would turn out to be a little bit more than he has, at least so far. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, Carolina, uh, no real need for him, I guess, and um, you know that that's that's a lot of it. I I would say half a million cap space they get. You know, it's whatever. Yeah, I I I don't know if they needed it per se based on on what they did, but like yeah. I, it, the only reason it struck me as odd was because again, like as as John kind of alluded to, between COVID and injuries, like why not just have that body on your back end for the yeah. playoff run? You're you're doing quite well. You hope to have a deep push. Instead, you get a sixth round pick and a guy that's not going to make the roster. So. And and they're like they're a contender to win that division. Like you know, yeah, having that extra piece for the five hundred fifty k, you know, make the deal in the off season if you really want to get rid of them. But yeah, it's right, right. Seems like a weird one. Yeah, it seems like a a weird deal to me for sure. Um, I mean, like from my understanding, from everything I've seen, the games I've watched, and like the his numbers, like Hakanpa or ha- whatever, is is really good defensively and that's about it and he's just terrible everywhere else so uh, i don't really get the trade either honestly that's the whole thing with hawk and paw too is like hawk and paws kind of uh he's kind of like your um traditional and fan and fantasy stats type good defensively but like when it comes to puck movement and and positioning and a lot of things like when i well, i've watched the ducks a decent amount this year I don't know why I have. Yeah, why? Um, he, he, I don't know. I, I, I bet I won money uh, last week. I bet on a game, and I won money off of that. And then I, I think I had John Gibson in one of my leagues or something at one point, or I was playing against him. I don't know. I've just I've watched like six or seven of their games. I don't know why. Hawk and Paw is he, he is very much just uh, your traditional physical defenseman, and I don't really see much else there. The only intriguing part of the deal for me is that um, – if there's any team in the league that generally isn't interested in those types of guys, it's Carolina. So I, I just thought it was an, an interesting sort of move for them to make because this is a very anti-Carolina sort of trade. Uh, so they must see something there that I didn't see in seven games, which is fair. Yeah. When it, when it was announced, you kind of think, okay, they have another deal coming, but it, it, it never came and never showed up. and mm-hmm. Kind of weird. I don't know. Uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs ship out Alexander Barabanov uh, to the San Jose Sharks in exchange for Anti Um As far as I'm concerned, based on the number of picks that the Leafs gave up, I'm I'm a little disappointed they couldn't get a, a, a draft pick. I suppose like Suomala, he's a career AHL guy. He, I I can't imagine he, you're bringing him in for depth purposes. Um, so yeah bit of a wasted opportunity, I guess. Like I, I'm happy for Barabanov because the guy should probably get a chance to play NHL minutes, leaving, you know, Russia during a pandemic to do so. But uh, a bit of a disappointing return, I'll say, for the Leafs. Yeah, I, I think Barabanov's really good, actually. Um, mm. But I also thought that about Nikita Soshnikov. And where is he now? Uh, yeah, I, I liked what I saw from Barabanov, especially when they played him up in the lineup. And I mean, not 
not to open up a whole can of worms here or anything like that, but uh, the only times Barabanov really looked good uh, was when he was playing with Tavares and Nylander. And I don't know how much of that was them carrying him, but I don't think John Tavares has carried anyone this year. So, you know, like I, I think there's potential there. I think if you give him minutes and maybe play him with hurdle or something, you might see some production here. And, uh, but I still think his cap would be at the most like a middle six winger in the league. And we'll see if he gets there. Yeah. I, I don't think this, uh, I don't really get this for the Leafs because personally, this just seems like a lose, lose situation, like, or at least like lose or like doesn't move the bar at all sort of thing. Cause at, at, at worst, you know, you're getting, this guy's going to go over there and he's not going to be good. And then Sumal is going to, or whatever his name was, he's not going to be very good either. And it's just going to be a wash or, it goes the other way and the guy comes over the Leafs. He's still not very good, but then, you know, like Bruce said, this other guy, Barbanoff or whatever, turns out to be a half decent player in San Jose. I just don't really get the trade for the, from the Leafs standpoint. One thing I'll say, like a cap dump. Yeah. That's, that is fair. And like, honestly, like, and I mean, again, like this is a, it's a nothing trade, but just like another point too, is that uh, being around the Leafs or being, you know, paying attention to Leafs all the time. Like one thing that Kyle Dubas seems to value quite heavily is, uh, well, two things is, is the culture. And like, I really don't think he was interested in having Barabanov just stewing and being unhappy kind of thing. Yeah. Like he did the same thing for Miko Lettinen and, and two, like to that point, he's always been a big fan of, uh, look, if I don't have an opportunity for you, I'm going to make sure that you get an opportunity. And, um, you know, he did the same thing with Letton and he did the same thing with Josh Levo. He's doing the same thing for Alex Barabanov. And uh, I commend him for it because I think uh, after a certain point, uh, when you're talking about these guys that really don't have a ton of trade value, why the hell, you know what I mean? Why keep them if they're not going to be there for you kind of thing? If you don't need them, give them a fresh start. Yeah, and in all fairness, that is a pretty noble thing to do. It's not like they really had intentions to use them at any point. So, yeah, why not? You're, you're hoping like as the they, Leafs uh, that... Go ahead. Well, it's just it's not like they put all their chips in the Barabanov basket to begin with, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you're hoping as the Leafs that come playoff time, you've you've got Felino, you've got Nash, and, and now Barabanov is just that much further down the depth chart. Might as well try to get something for him. Like I said, I was just kind of more intrigued at the idea of getting a Sixth round pick, even you know, in, he played. Of, he played uh, what Saturday night, and I was watching the yeah. game, and I'm like, "What the fuck is he doing in the lineup?" Like of all of all the guys that should have been in the lineup that night. No offense to him, like I, I think he's a good player. I, I really enjoyed watching him, but it was like, this, "Like we're done with this. We're done here. Like well, he's not. We don't need him. Get him out of the lineup. What the fuck's he playing for?" I think he's great though. Uh, the other defenseman named Eric G was traded today as well. Uh, good Branson goes to Nashville uh, in exchange for Brandon Fortunato and a seventh round pick in 2023. Not a real year. We're not going to make it that far, but um, all the same, Nashville gets uh, a really bad defenseman and a really high cap hit. John, um, as, as a guy that cheers for a team that made no trades on trade deadline, um, is this a win for the Minnesota Wild, not getting good Branson? <laughs> yes, unequivocally, yes, absolutely. I yeah, I don't know. I don't know why Nashville would want him if they're if they're going for it. And then I, I don't know, whatever. 
It's uh, <laughs> David Poyle has a lot more time to to get the cup, but at least that's what I think he's thinking. So I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, he's not worried about his job. So two things I find incredibly funny about the trade. Uh, one of them uh, is that Good Branson goes to Nashville, uh, not retained. No money retained by the yeah. Ottawa Senators. Full four million dollar cap hit. Oh, you so think Eugene Melnick's like, retaining money? But but it's just like the Predators were just like, yeah, we'll take him at full fucking value. This is the trade we're making at the deadline. Like this is this is what we're doing. This is our guy. This is who we wanted. I think that's mint. Uh, secondly, the tweet of the day for me goes to at hockey underscore brunch, uh, and it goes as follows. Good Branson arrived in exchange for a fifth round pick, was punched in the face for 36 games, healthy scratched, then traded for a seventh round pick. As a hockey player, he isn't great, but as a metaphor for how life is one crushing defeat after another, he was my favorite senator. <laughs> <laughs> that, that tweet does not get enough credit. Honestly. Tweet of the day. Yeah, I mean, like. Who cares about this trade because it's a seventh round pick? But honestly, this was the dumbest trade of the whole. Like, <laughs> like what are you doing if you're David Poyle? Why would you pick this guy up? He's worth weight. Like, he's being paid way too much. He's by far the worst defenseman now on your team. Like, what are you doing? Reg, it's because Eugene Melnick has some dirt on David Poyle and had to exercise some way to shed $4 million of uh, salary. Clearly. Yeah, the the trade deadline yeah. is just the GMs blackmailing each other to get deals done. It's not. It's not. I gotta be honest. I gotta be honest with you. If anyone is gonna be blackmailing anyone, I don't think Eugene Melnick should be the fucking guy. Uh, <laughs> Ironically, look, gu- gu- Gutter's not great. Uh, he's a seems like a super nice guy from what I hear, but he, he he's terrible. Um, he's big, like he he is huge, but my God, is he bad at this point? And. Uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know how he keeps getting work. Former uh, third overall pick in the NHL draft, Eric Branson. Mother of God. Uh, also, uh, I think uh, Eric Branson's, I mean, he's not that good, but he's a guy who will bleed for his team if he needs to bleed for his team, right? Quote from Goon. But guy I guess so. I mean, you, you need a guy who... We'll take a punch in the face. I mean, not that he gets punched in the face. I mean, that guy does more of the beating. But uh, if you need a guy to go stir the pot, he's more than willing to. And in a div- Is uh, Nashville in the division with Vegas? No. No. No? They're in the, the east-west combination one, eh? Okay. The well, central. Yeah. <laughs> not that any of them are east or west. Or, or as I like to call them, the leftovers. The left, yeah, that's that's because that good. division really made no sense from the start. The uh, COVID division, the, you can't spell discover they, without COVID. Yes, they call it the Discover Central, or, or as the podcast also dubbed it earlier this year, the Disco Tech. Okay, that's cool, man. Two, two trades left to get to. Uh, we've got Michael Raffle going to the Washington Capitals at 25% retained for a fifth round pick via the Vegas Golden Knights back to the Flyers. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Like, look, yeah. James, you when we yeah. were breaking down the Flyers, you said that Michael Raffle might get traded, and I thought you were fucking batshit insane. And here we are. He's a capital now. So, I'm I am the insider of all insiders on this podcast. Apparently, so I guess so. I wonder if they had a raffle 
for Raffle. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Oh, uh, Kyle, thanks for joining us today. I'm going to have to ask you to leave promptly <laughs> from Oof, the Zoom call. The we'll block. talk to you again next year. Yeah, it was nice having we'll you. We'll see you at the, the free agent couple. frenzy. After all thanks. the nice things we said about you, Kyle, you Jesus have been Christ. muted. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the last uh, last deal of the day, the last trade uh, through the through the fax machine. They can't be using those still, can they? Um, the Vancouver Canucks get a six round pick from the Winnipeg Jets for Jordy Ben. So good for the Vancouver Canucks, I guess. Hey, it's better than Madison Bowie. So yeah, there. Well, ooh, <laughs> uh, maybe mm, Jordy, Jordy Ben hasn't been good for a while. Jordy Ben can play minutes at least. I don't know if you want Madison Bowie out there more than Jordy Ben. Do you want do you want guys playing minutes or like good minutes? Because there's a big difference. What's Jordy Ben's plus minus? Can can we get the comparison? Do we still cover that stat? I I don't know. Do they show that on pages? Is that a stat? I I, I want to see a stat stat line between Madison Bowie and Jordy Ben. Who will be watching? Who will be the seventh defenseman on the Vancouver Canucks? Um, I I wrote an article about a month ago where I outlined eight defensemen that I thought the Jets would be in on, and Jordy Ben was first on the list. Um, Jordy Ben is very much a Paul Maurice type defenseman. I don't think he's quite a Kevin Dayoff type defenseman, but he is a Paul Maurice type defenseman. Um, there are, there are, I had to do a deep dive for the article. There are definitely some underlying numbers where, um, there are things to like about Jordy Ben. Uh, he is one of the better, if not like elite defensemen in the league at breaking up passes. Uh, but I don't know how really useful that is when the rest of your game is kind of flawed. So uh, I think for a sixth, I'm, I, I think it's a good trade for them because I, I think he's uh, – when they're in the playoffs, I would rather Jordy Ben playing than Nathan Beaulieu, that is for sure. So um, I don't know. It's fine. But the bigger problem here is it doesn't address uh, the, the issues that they had. And, um, you know, if there was no way to get the Savard deal done – that like that's one thing, but I mean, if the cost was was that, uh, I don't know how there's not a sweetener that you couldn't have thrown in to to make that happen, uh, unless it was made absolutely clear that there's zero percent chance of re-signing the guy. Like I just, I think it's a missed opportunity. Uh, and even on that note, like I I would have paid a fairly high pick for Jamie Alexiak if I were any team. So the stars yeah. must have been pretty pretty set on him i guess because i I'm, he's another name like uh yeah. and he wasn't even in my article i thought dallas would have been not offering him in a trade but regardless it, it, it's it's my long way of saying like he, he wouldn't have been my first choice but i'm not surprised at all is uh is jamie alexiak also a pending ufa or is he have control he, yes I, i'm pretty sure he's a pending ufa I'd have to think if they were trying to pry him from Dallas, it probably would have been a first and then some for the defenseman he is, seeing as what people were going for today. You got to think too, like Dallas probably thinks they're still in it. Exactly. You know, that's the flip side of it. And if you give away Alexiak, you're probably not in it anymore defensively wise. Right. So. Hard, hard to say. Like they're, 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 they got three games in hand over Nashville and they're six points back. It's a bit of a wash. They got, 
a much better goal differential. They hope to get Sagan and Bishop back. I was really skeptical about Dallas being a seller at the deadline. So uh, I, I know there's a lot of talk about Alexiak. I just didn't really see it falling through unless the return was going to be through the roof. Yeah. And I mean, like I, that's that again, like that's the whole point of uh, like Dallas. Dallas is the one team where like, they're sort of right to trick themselves into thinking they're good. Right. Because like, they did go to the Stanley Cup final last year. Like, they were two wins away from winning the Stanley Cup. Are they good? No. But, like, they they it's, they it's can certainly think they are. Like, it's it's reasonable to understand that. If Sagan comes back and is actually scoring when he shoots the puck and Ben Bishop stands on his head, like, who the fuck knows? You know? So, like, I get it. They, they, they are getting Bishop and, and Sagan. Better than anyone can really say for their deadline acquisitions. So... Yeah, like it's fine if that's what they think, and I don't know what the price on Alexiak was, but like the the thing that kind of screwed the Jets, right, is is the Predators run, because again, like if the if the Predators are trading Ekholm, yeah, that's you know like uh, that's one of the only guys in the league where maybe you do trade Dylan Sandberg, right, and and maybe that is worth it, and uh, I, I think it was a match made in heaven, but unfortunately the Predators are going for it, and power to them. Uh, a couple signings to get to uh, that took place over the last couple days. Uh, we'll start off chronologically. Tanner Pearson resigns with the Vancouver Canucks on a three-year deal worth $3.25 million per. Uh, <laughs> wow, Jim Benning loves his middle six fucking $4 million contracts, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. which would be good if any of the guys other than Pearson signed to those deals were actually middle six players. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like I, I don't mind Pearson with Vancouver. Like he had a good year last year. He showed uh, a, a fair bit of spark in the playoffs for them last year. He's had a bad year this year. I, I it's hard to put a lot of stock into the results of guys in 2020, 2021, but um, I think this is a, a good deal for Tanner Pearson. The problem is that it, it's a it's becoming a pattern in Vancouver, which I think is is the the bigger narrative here. Yeah, Tanner Pearson in my mind is like the one of the most average NHL players I could think of off the top of my head. I think they're slightly overpaying for the guy. I don't know. I there's absolutely nothing special. It's not like he's not a bad. He's not a bad NHL player. He should be in the NHL. I just don't think he's that great. I, I just hope it doesn't take money away from Hugh or Pedersen. Like, if they're going to get into an argument with those guys about term or money, I don't know. Maybe that money could have been spent better elsewhere. Well, yeah, like, that's just it, right? Like, they've, they've already kind of made their bed with enough of these contracts. And, um, like, I just, I don't, I don't get where Vancouver thinks that Tanner Pearson isn't replaceable and, and there's a guy that they need on this deal. Um, yeah, because because I, I I watched him in L.A. when he was actually good, uh, and he was the third best player on a second line, and that yeah. was his prime. And yeah. he had a career high in points last year, though. I'll give him that. But uh, he he played top line minutes at points. Is that what we're doing long term? Okay, like if yeah, three if, if he's making three million dollars a year and he's getting forty five points. I don't. I don't think that that's what you can expect from him every year, though. I think he's closer to 
30, 35, 40, and he's not particularly good at anything else. So I, I don't, I don't like the signing quite honestly. One thing to touch on your point, John, uh, about Quinn Hughes uh, more so than Elias Pettersson is that he is ineligible for a offer sheet uh, this summer when he becomes an RFA. So Vancouver definitely holds a lot of the bargaining chips here with, with how Quinn Hughes and his next contract are going to go. Uh, that's not to that? say that he hasn't occurred the uh, necessary amount of professional seasons for group two RFA status. Oh, get stuffed. Well, that's how the CBA works. So, you know, that's yeah, the same uh, rule for everybody. And complaining about the CBA is real rich. You know. I'm not complaining about it. I'm pointing out a fact to your, your point about I, the I money think that's Bruce, needed. Roots is a Leafs fan, is he not? Oh, sorry. You said Leaf fan. I assumed you were directing your comments at me. But um, so, like, there's there's a lot of control they have in terms of, like, you know, if he wants to sit out next season, that's that's fine. That yeah. typically doesn't work out for guys in the big picture, but mm-hmm. he has that right. Especially to do when so. you're not, especially when you're coming off a not amazing season. Exactly. You know. So I think they can get away with something there. Um, but yeah, they like my my bigger problem here is not with Tanner Pearson. It's it's the culture that's developing in Vancouver yeah. with these types of contracts. So we'll have to see, but. Uh, moving right along, unless anyone else has any f- strong feelings on Tanner Pearson, um, Nikita Gusev uh, was released from his deal with the New-, New Jersey Devils and has signed a one-year contract with the uh, Florida Panthers for $1 million. A-, a fresh start, as as Brutes likes to call it, I guess, for a guy that uh, looked pretty underwhelming in, in New Jersey. Oh. Yeah. Was he on a league minimum before? No, I don't believe so. Four and a half million. It was, it was a two or three year deal at four point five. I thought though, if you're bought out, you your next contract has to be worth more than nope. when you're mutually parted ways. No, is that just for RFAs that the like you have to get paid more if you if you sign the RFA, re-sign them. I, I've literally never that's, heard this rule before. That that's not that's not even technically the RFA rule. There, yeah, there, there is some truth to that, but uh, it's only in certain situations. The whole the whole thing with Gusev was his contract was mutually terminated, uh, but there is no rule with buyouts either. Like it, it happens uh, fifteen times a year, probably, where every guy that gets bought out gets a one year seven hundred k or one million dollar deal, right? Like Bobby Ryan went from seven million to whatever the fuck he's making this year. Yeah. Um, and uh, if uh, if it's mutually parted ways, that does that mean none of that goes to against New Jersey Devils like any of that cap hit then? Yeah. Okay. It's off their books and he doesn't get the money. So they wipe their hands clean and now he gets a fresh new contract and mm-hmm. fresh start. Uh, yeah. oh, good for him. Well, he's yeah, they, probably they would have they would have come to some sort of a separate settlement where they probably cut him a check for like a million dollars or something and that that was probably the end of it. I feel like we're seeing this way more often in this day and age of hockey, like just with how fast the game is that teams are just really um, open to giving all these fringe players, these fresh starts, I guess, at the young age. And I think we're seeing it more and more often. I think it's the new norm in the NHL. We're, we're seeing multiple 
um, types of signings like this um, every single season now more prominently than we did before. So probably going to keep going. I don't think Gusev's uh, that special, but uh, hopefully he can prove me wrong. Yeah, like the I I really really like this for Florida. Like this is one of my favorite moves that that anyone made of any kind at the deadline. I think, uh, uh like it's undeniable how insanely good Gusev's KHL numbers were. Um, he actually had pretty good numbers in New Jersey last year on a horrible team, and so I think on a team in Florida that is pretty good analytically, they're defensively responsible. They have incredibly high-end talent well uh, two players I guess that uh that Gusev can can play with and like uh, he is a guy that I think it is legitimately uh it's legitimately a possibility that if you put him with Barkov and uh and Verhege that that he might be like the perfect complement to those two guys so um yeah I'm I, I like it a lot Uh, Alex Iafello signs a uh, four-year extension with the Los Angeles Kings for four million AAV. Uh, this was a guy that I think a lot of people had in, uh, on their radar in terms of is it, it will be or is going to be traded on the deadline. That didn't seem to pass. I don't know if the deal wasn't there or if the Kings just liked maybe what they had in Iafello, but uh, he sticks around. Uh, John. Former member of the University of Minnesota Duluth uh, Bulldogs, so I, I know you're a big fan of IFLO. Um, is this a guy that they should have moved on from, or were they right to hang on to him? How old is he? That's a great question. He is 27. I don't know. It depends how long they think their rebuild is going to be. I don't know. He, he, I think it's fine. I don't think they, the money is is probably not going to be not going to handcuff them from doing any other deals with any of their younger players anytime soon. And you know, he's got some experience there. Did he win a cup with them? No, no, no. I, uh, I don't want him as a player. I, you know, are they going to be successful during the time of that contract? I don't know. Probably not. Um, uh, so someone needs to put the puck in the net while you're uh, rebuilding or retooling, yeah. right? And he, he has solidified himself as a top six player on that team. And, you know, the core of that group is probably only going to be getting worse, right? So he, in a couple of years from now, he might be one of their best players. So, I mean, good on the Kings for paying one of your top six guys only four mil. And if he gets better, that's going to be a really good asset that they could move in the future at a cheap price. So, you know, might pay dividends, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's better than Tanner Pearson was in his prime. He's going to be making essentially the same money. I like I'm I'm good with that. It you know, if we're if we're going to try to compare to the days of old, it's it's a good comparable deal for the Kings. And finally Scott Lawton uh, signs an extension with the Philadelphia Ooh. Flyers for 5 years at 3 million dollars per uh, this was another guy widely speculated to be on the move on deadline day. And instead he stays put and uh, Chuck Fletcher, who I know John is very familiar with, seems to like what he's, what he's got in Lawton and uh, boy, I, I like the player. I, I don't know if uh, five years is the number yeah. you want to be committing to this guy though. That's a little iffy, a little rich for my blood. Yeah. 
I agree. Yeah, I think he's a decent player. If that's a shorter term, I think that's a fine contract. But yeah, by the end of that, we have no idea how he's going to be looking. So, as as elite prospects writer Ryan Lambert would say, uh, put this guy on an ice drift next year because he's twenty eight. That's too old. Get him out of here. Wow, I um, it, it, the deal is a little puzzling to me. Like I, I do. I do like Lawton, um, but Philadelphia is like a sneaky team for uh, their cap is, is a bit of a mess. It's not a long-term problem. I don't think though, like that's the only thing, but it's like this off season is going to be fascinating for the flyers because you've got Claude Giroux for one more year at 8.25, which whatever, like he's your captain. Uh, Voracek for three more years at 8.25 which he, he doesn't look like he's worth that anymore he hasn't been awful but he, he's not worth that really you got Hayes at a little over 7 fine JVR 7 fine uh, Konechny 5.5 I mean it looks horrible right now but he should be fine yeah. um, then you got one more year of Couturier at a little over 4 so he's going to need a new deal next year you got two more years of Lin Lindblom at three mil. This is just the forwards, and now you have Lawton locked in at three million. Like they don't have any room to to really bring in any of the other kids that are kind of waiting there. And like Joel Farabee is going to need a new deal in a year. Like I feel like them. I'm sure they have it all ironed out. It looks a little sketchy to me, though. I don't. I don't really know how it's going to all work out. Uh, particularly can like considering they've been terrible this year. Yeah, they, they need to get a save too. I mean, that's. I mean, the good the good news is is if Carter Hart was going to have a year like this, uh, yeah, this year, year to have it is on a contract year, I guess. But well, uh, you know, pandemic year too. I don't think it's the end of the world that they're having the season they are having. They were in a tough division anyway. Even if they had a decent year, it would have been hard. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they're in a spot. Yeah, like I don't panic too much, but I don't yeah, really know. Uh... So you're not gonna blow up the they team. really can't. They really can't do anything to make the team better. Yeah. And they already have a group of forwards where it's kind of like, well, they're not getting any better. So I'm going to go around the horn here now that we've uh, finished all the trades and the signings, and just get uh, everybody's thoughts on a winner and a loser from trade deadline. I won't call it day. We'll call it the the, the week, I suppose. Expand your thoughts. Uh, Reg, your winner, your loser from this uh, past week. Uh, wow, this is a tough one because I feel like a lot of teams made, you know, trades that didn't really move the needle all that much for me. If I had to pick um, a a winner from trade deadline, as much as I hate to admit this, I think the Leafs did pretty good for themselves. Um, I'm not upset with any of the pickups they made, really. There was that one kind of weird trade where they got rid of Barbanoff, but again, like I kind of understand it once you guys explained your viewpoints on it. I don't know. I personally think they did. Uh, I think they did pretty good. Um, as far as a loser goes, I mean, in the grand scheme of the trade itself, it's not that bad. It's just like looking back at the fact that Buffalo was able to acquire Taylor Hall like that on that deal. And then what they ended up getting for him, I, it's just really, really bad optics. I understand like the team has been terrible and he's not been good this year, but it, it, 
that's that's an awful deal to me and yeah i don't know i because I, I don't have like a clear loser I, I i have to pick buffalo here uh if i were to add in on that um you know it's probably easy to say buffalo um but just for the sake of things I'll stir the pot a bit. I would definitely say Montreal would pretty big losers at this deadline. I mean, they, they acquired John Merrill. Uh, they, they got Eric Stahl, but they, they did nothing in their power that could help them get past the first round of the playoffs. And ultimately, if you talk about being a team that wants to get past the first round and you sign all these guys in the offseason, make these good trades and come flying out of the gates. It's going to be pretty big of a letdown if they don't get out of the first round, although they will be playing against the Maple Leafs. I'm not sure if that factored into anything, but I just think for a team of that uh, caliber with what they've done, I probably would have wanted to see something else at the deadline. Um, I'm pretty confident Carey Price is close to coming back because they didn't go out and get a goaltender. But uh, other than that, I would I would go with Montreal just for the theme of the North Division. Am I giving you my, my winner right now, or are we just going through the worst? Go for your winner, baby. Go for your winner. Uh, my winner. Um, this might sound weird, but uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are the winner to me. Sometimes the biggest move you make is the one you don't make. They did not get rid of any of their players. Not that they would, because they are the second best team in the NHL points-wise at this time. But they went out and got... Um, the big trout of defensemen, you might say, that everyone wanted to get David Savard. And we talked about Dallas getting Sagan and Bishon back. Uh, Tampa Bay is getting Nikita Kucherov back, who has not played a single game yet this season. So you add David Savard and Nikita Kucherov to a team that is uh, one point behind the league lead with a game in hand. I, I like their chances going into the playoffs. Tampa Bay tied for third for the record there, Kyle. Just check yourself next time on the standings, my guy. Uh, John, John, your winners and losers. Uh, the losers were the Nashville Predators. Okay, they should have traded people away. Okay, um, it's over. You got you to rebuild. Yes! Uh, They're in a oh! playoff spot. They're John! in a playoff spot. What are we yeah, talking but, about? Yeah, yeah, but you know what? The, the Montreal Canadiens are in a playoff spot. Are they a good team? No. Like, you know, the Preds are the losers. The winners are the Minnesota Wild for not doing anything drastic or stupid. Okay, they're the winners. Good job. I think, uh, you know, kind of like what you're saying, John, I think oh. you could pick a winner and a loser for both categories. There was losers of people who should have sold but ended up buying, if that makes sense. Like, you, you could be a loser of a selling team and also a loser of a team that needed to acquire players, if that yeah. makes any sense. And I think uh, there's a lot of teams that could fit in that category, and Nashville is definitely one of them. You make a great point. You know, uh, time to get rid of the roster. I, I definitely wouldn't change my pick as Buffalo being the worst, but yeah, Nashville did a terrible job. I mean, I mean, for for making the playoffs, they get to play Tampa, Carolina. Like, yeah, great, um, good for them. South, I, South, buddy. I, 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 or Florida, or Florida was also good. Game. I will, I will allow Brutes to go last because I know he's probably got the hottest takes. Uh, I'm going to start off by saying that Nashville. Um, I don't know what you expect out of them. Like they're holding on a playoff spot. They have the hottest goalie in this division. Ride that guy as long as you can. Uh, I, I don't know what you expect them to do at that point. Uh, sure, sell some pieces off so you can be good in twenty years. I guess maybe. Who knows? Um, my winner for the day is um, it's 
it's probably Boston. Uh, a lot of people are shitting them about bringing in Taylor Hall and not even being a surefire thing to make the playoffs. Look, they're making the playoffs. They just took the best player, the second best player. Uh, Eichel is hurt-ish, so call it what you want. They took the best player off of Buffalo, and they have to play those guys six more times this season. If you don't think they're running the fucking table against that team and are shooting for third, maybe second in this division, you got another thing coming. So uh, they they bring in a, a great offensive weapon to a team that doesn't have a lot of them. I think they're the the big winners on this day. The loser for me, John, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. The Minnesota Wild, uh, they watch the two teams ahead of them bring in reinforcements, bring in pieces, bring in some depth that is going to help them in the playoff run this That's year. It's not, the, it's the not Minnesota- our year, buddy. It's not our year. Look, John, if, if this isn't your year, I don't know what year it's going to be because uh, this is the best Minnesota Wild team I've seen in years. And the St. Louis Blues take a big step back. And I think you gotta you gotta go for it because I, I think you're you're facing up against a very beatable Vegas Golden Knights team in the first round. And I I, I know what I just said out loud. What, what would you, you have you done? All... What would you have done? We don't need defense. Taylor Hall, like could we have fit Taylor Hall? I don't know. Do something. Do something. Don't don't sit pat. You're oh, you're the know. third best team in a very winnable division. I'm not a fan I'm of concerned. just doing something just for the sake of doing something. So, so, very James. winnable division, James. Oh. All right. Well, we'll see. Yeah. So, J- James, are you more on the fence? Like, if you're per se like the number, let's say you're the top five teams in the NHL, are you more fine with those teams standing pat because they're so good, and you have a problem with Minnesota not making a move because they're third in their division? I believe they are. Yeah, Minnesota needs to do something to put themselves in a better position. Over the hump. Okay. So not they're 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 in this weird middle mushy position where like John hates where you you make the playoffs but you don't do anything and you lose in the first round and you pick twelfth overall and you don't ever get any better. They're not in that spot. They're sounds like the Calgary Flames. They're pretty much guaranteed a playoff spot, right? They're they can't really move up. They're probably not going to move down. Like they're probably not going to catch Colorado for the division lead. Standings wise, for sure. But like once it comes time for the dance, and they may or may not win, and you know that's fine. But like, what are what to give up? I don't know. Maybe if they could have just given up a pick, but I don't know. You don't want to give up any assets that you know. I mean, last year when they could have traded Frise, that you know that would have been nice, but they would have had to take Lad back. Yeah, moving 18 years left on a yeah. contract is very easy to do. Mm-hmm. Finally, uh, Mr. Pataglia, your winners and losers. Uh, yeah. Um, I, uh, the, the hot take guy called me the hot take guy. I thought that was neat. I, I, the, the interesting thing I thought, too, about the Minnesota Wild is, like, I don't, I don't necessarily feel I, – I probably agree with John. Um, but Minnesota is interesting because it, they kind of remind me of, like uh, – um, like a piece of glass kind of teetering over over the edge of the counter and you think it's going to fall and it just doesn't fall and I can't explain why it won't fall I but I'm not going to touch it right now I'm just going to let it kind of just sit there you know can't explain the world <laughs> what I don't like the metaphor um, all right yeah. no but um uh losers I have Three that came to mind. Uh, I can't really pick between them. Different reasons for all of them. Uh, Nashville because they didn't get any better, and they certainly didn't sell. So they're going into the playoffs, kind of what they are, and uh, 
while they're actually not going into the playoffs necessarily. So it's just, that's kind of a weird situation. Uh, I do understand the, why would you sell if you're David Poyle, all, all that shit, but you probably could, you could have fired him years ago, I guess. Uh, Pittsburgh comes to mind for me. They didn't do anything to get better. Uh, they are in a spot where, you know, they, they have to win now. And kind of the difference between them and Nashville is Nashville has sellable assets, whereas Pittsburgh doesn't really, they're kind of just, they're kind of just stuck having to compete. And I don't, I don't really think they did anything to move the needle. And I think there, there's a good chance that they're going to get spanked by whoever they play in the first round. So I didn't like that. The third team for me, like they didn't necessarily lose the deadline, but I think there's a glaring issue with this team that just sort of makes me nervous given the, given the possible opponents they're going to have is I actually think Tampa Bay has a a pretty big vulnerability. And that is that if, uh, if Vasilevsky gets hurt, I I don't know, like they have no backup goaltender and um, he is their best player by a country mile. So that concerns me a bit, but I wouldn't really call them a loser. I, I, but I think that's a, a glaring issue that, uh, that I was assuming they were going to address that they never did. Uh, the, the winner for me is it's the Leafs. I, I don't really know how it, it wouldn't be. I mean, they didn't get another defenseman, but their defense has been okay by committee this year. Um, you know, they, they went out and, and they added, people that all make sense um they kind of did the predictable thing i think boston's there a little bit too i i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i'm quite as impressed because uh again like i it's not like they were going to bring in six new defensemen but their blue line is still very very bad and um they're probably going to beat buffalo six times but if there's any decor that i could see losing to buffalo somehow that would be it uh, especially without healthy goaltenders that are that are NHL goalies. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Boston did pretty good. I think they could have done more, but they would probably be my runner-up, I guess. I'll, I'll give you five and one versus Buffalo. How does that so make you feel better? Is that good? I mean, probably, but... <laughs> okay. Um. All right, we've reached the weird middle part. Uh, not middle, but we... we the I, the I middle know. of the you, yeah, do, do you guys want to do this game or not? Yeah, what's the consensus? I'm, I'm not going to hold you hostage here. Um, what what does the game entail? Well, I'm not going to tell you that because I'll probably end up using it regardless. So it, it's either a yes mm-hmm. or a no here. Um, t- time wise, how, how long? What's the ETA, Jimmy? Wow, I've never played it before. Uh, you guys each get five players, and you have to pick something involving those guys. So we're talking like half an hour max, like you would say. I would say at the maximum, yeah, for sure. But okay, yeah, I'm game. Sure, sure. Okay, okay. All right, I I got a new game for the guys here. Uh, it's called Unexpected Leaders, uh, with the uh, addition of Nick Foligno going to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They now have four guys that have previously been NHL captains for an NHL franchise. And um, what I've done is I've 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 got a list of, of guys here. I'm going to give five players to each guy. I'm going to give you a player name, and believe it or not, they were a captain for an NHL franchise. Now, some of these guys um, are very obvious. Like if I said to you that you know, oh Raymond Bork, and 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 you were to say, well, he captained the Boston Bruins. Well, that would be very oh, obvious. Yeah. 
But perhaps I say Raymond Bork and there's another team that he captained. That's a bad example because he didn't. But this is this is the idea of the game. So I, I say, I say, for example, Joe Thornton and your mind goes to San Jose Sharks as the captain. Oh, but meanwhile, he captained the Boston Bruins. So we're looking for the least likely team that this player captained during their career. Uh, I've got five players for each of you. The most points win. I, I have a tiebreaker ready if if we need it. Are there any questions at this point? Uh, I'd like somebody else to go first. I uh, have randomly selected the order. If that you, makes you feel better, John. Can you re say those instructions one more time? Yeah, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm yeah gonna, one more time. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So I, I've got a list of guys, and Greg Wachinski um, over here. There's there's five players that I'm going to give each each one of you, all four of you, okay? Okay. And they have all captained an NHL team at some point. Okay. Now, there's one player per team. So if, if someone else guesses the St. Louis Blues and they get it right, you can take the St. Louis Blues off the board. Okay. Um, however, if you get a guy, like I said, Joe Thornton, and I ask you what team he captained, we're looking for the least obvious answer. So... You know that he captained the San Jose Sharks, I'm sure. And that might be your gut reaction, but he did captain the Boston Bruins as well. So we're looking for the least likely team that these guys captained. Okay. They're unexpected. They're unexpected. They're, they're surprise guys. These are these are people that you you know of, but maybe you don't realize they were captains in their career. So is that like a correlation to like the least amount of games played like you're getting at then as well? I suppose, just, perhaps, okay. yeah. Because the tenure is probably small then for, for these standouts, I'm guessing. You, you might be onto something there. That That's one way to approach it, for sure. I'm giving away my strats. Let's just get the game going. Okay, so I've randomly selected the four players here to to go in order. Reg, you have the honor of going first. Oh, and right. I have, I have the player in front of me. Uh, Reg, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, Reg, your player is Owen... Nolan, can you tell me what team he unexpectedly captained in his NHL career? Oh my God! Um, can we steal? <laughs> I, I will say no. Yeah, that, that that doesn't seem fair. You have your own players. Uh, yeah. How about? Uh, no, you know what? I I. I don't know, San Jose. I know it's not, but yeah. Well, um, you're you're wrong and you're right at the same I, time. I know, San I know. Jose. Uh, fantastic captain there. We're looking for the Minnesota Wild. In <sighs> okay, 2008, yeah. 2009, he was the captain. Was he a permanent the captain then, or was he one of those monthly captains? He was a permanent <laughs> captain then. Okay. Uh, Kyle, <laughs> you are up next. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Kyle, Kyle, we're looking for Jason Allison. What team did Jason <laughs> Allison unexpectedly captain? The Buffalo Sabres. I admire that guess. Uh, he did not play for the Buffalo Sabres, uh, however, and the correct answer was the Boston Bruins. Oh, right area. Why do you admire that's then? 2001. So no, I just uh, remember good, like yellow for for whatever fucking reason. Hmm. Although the um, good news, you guys can all take Minnesota and Boston off your list. Like I said, it's it's one team. Uh, uh, 
you know, the per. So it's not like 12 leaf captains on this list. I was hoping you were just going to give us 20 Minnesota Wild monthly captains. Right. That would be insane. (laughs) Uh, Branko Radovojevic. Hmm, I wonder. Hmm. John, you're up next. Uh, Your player is Doug Gilmore. Can you tell me what team Doug Gilmore unexpectedly captained in his NHL career? The Flames? Uh, that is incorrect, sir. Uh, while he famously captained the Toronto Maple Leafs, we were looking for the Chicago Blackhawks I knew the in 2000, 2001. He played for the Flames, right? He did. Yeah. He won a cup there. Uh, okay, Brutes, that brings us to you. Uh, we're looking for Neil Broughton. What team did Neil Broughton unexpectedly captain in his NHL career? Hmm. Uh, I will go with the New Jersey Devils. That's a great pick. Uh, however, it is, is incorrect. We were looking for the Dallas Stars in 1994-1995. Well, but wasn't he the captain in Minnesota? Yes, prior to 1994-1995. Did he leave and go back? No. Well, how would that be unexpected? He was always a captain. Because he, he captained two seasons. It was one for Dallas, one for Minnesota. Oh, no. Okay, yeah, sorry. No, I thought he was the captain for a while. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, everyone's had a chance, and, and you've uh, all got it wrong. So it's an even playing field as we go to your second players each. So that brings us back to Reg. Reg, your player is Trevor Linden. What team did Trevor Linden unexpectedly captain? Trevor Linden unexpectedly captained the the New York Rangers. Reg, you are a borough away. I'm so sorry. We were looking for the New York Islanders. Wow, that is tough. A borough away? Yeah, I don't know. They're Long Island and they play in Brooklyn. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Kyle. Yeah, we are looking for you to identify the unexpected team that Mark Messier captained. On the Queensboro Bridge tonight. I don't care because all I want to do. So, like, to to be fair though, this guy, you 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 would say that he famously captained two different teams, though. I would think so because he won cups as captains of two different teams. Okay. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I can't fucking say the New York Rangers because we won the cup with them. Uh, so you're telling Mark Messi I mean, captain more than... Mark captained more than two fucking hockey teams? I am telling you that, yes. Holy shit, wow. (laughs) I guess there's a reason why the Leadership Award is named after him. Yeah. (laughs) I'll give you a hint, Kyle. It's not the Islanders, the uh, the Dallas Stars, the Blackhawks, the Bruins, or the Wild. (laughs) Okay. Um... Did Mark Messier 
captain. Say the, the... line, Bart. <laughs> oh, fuck, man. Did he captain the Tampa Bay Lightning? Did he even play wow. for the Tampa Bay Lightning? <laughs> wow. I admire the pick, but no. Uh, oh, he was man. actually uh, replacing Trevor Linden. Uh, as uh, as Reg just uh, described in Vancouver for four seasons, so oh, that's that's great fuck. for him. If there are any listeners of the podcast that are savvy with uh, Photoshop, if you could get me a picture of Mark Messier in a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey from like the late nineteen nineties, uh, I would pay you money to see that. Hmm. I'd be curious to see what that would look like. I, did, I just knew Messier that was New York and Edmund. I didn't even know. I didn't. Well, I knew. Oh, I'm not. Now, but... I'm not chirping you, but the the image of him in a Tampa Bay Lightning jersey is disturbing. Uh, oh, definitely. So I'd like to see that. Okay, Re- uh, sorry, John. Um, f- uh, future NHL coach Bob Buchner was once uh, NHL captain for what franchise? <laughs> Florida Panthers. Oh, that is incorrect, I'm afraid. We're looking for the Calgary Flames in 2001-2002. Wow. Now, I'm going to get some fucking ditzy McClanahan from the 40s yeah, here. Exactly. Uh, Brutes, we're looking for uh, what team did Tom Fitzgerald unexpectedly captain? God. Didn't that guy write the Greek Gatsby? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. You just said fuck Scott Fitzgerald. <laughs> no, his name's F. Scott Fitzgerald. Um, Close. I, I, I can only think of one, and I don't, I don't think of it as unexpected, really, but, I mean, he, he was the captain of Nashville, so I would say hey, that. That, that. That's correct for the first points of the game. You, you got hey. one. He was the first captain of the Nashville Predators. There you go. All right, we come back to Reg. Reg, uh, we're looking for Darian Hatcher, who, of course, was the captain of the 1999 Dallas Stars when they won the Cup. But what team did he unexpectedly captain in his career? Hmm. Yes, he uh, he unexpectedly captained the uh, the New Jersey Devils. Uh, that is incorrect. We're looking for the uh, Philadelphia Flyers in 2005-2006. Thought for sure I had it that time. Mm, so sorry. Uh, Kyle, what can you tell me about the uh, captaincy of Ray Whitney? Did you skip John? No, I, I went to you. Oh, oh shit. Uh, okay, uh, Ray Third Whitney. Doggy. Ray Whitney. Um... He's the real Pink Whitney to me. Uh, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, that's incorrect. We're looking for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Hmm. Uh, John, yeah. what team did Mike Ricci unexpectedly captain <laughs> in his NHL career? Yeah. How many times was he a captain? I don't believe he was ever captain beyond this season. Mike Ricci. Uh, San Jose. I know that's not right. 
That oh, is correct for was, uh, oh, one point, John. Yes, yeah. Oh, nice. I knew he played there. I didn't think he would have been the captain. Tying the game. He was the captain 0304. Fuck. Now, can oh. we remove John's point for saying he knew he was wrong? Uh, <laughs> I, I will not, but I will hold him under um, uh, uh, obstruction moving forward. So. Yeah. Uh, Brutes, we're looking for what team did Marcel Dion unexpectedly captain right. famously of the Los Angeles Kings. Right. Yes. And me having famous knowledge of uh, players from the, a million years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. I, I, I want to say, like, I can only think of one other team that I think he maybe played for. So I'm going to go with the, uh, they haven't been guessed yet. The Detroit Red Wings. That's correct. I had to go back to 1974-75 to pick a guy that didn't obviously captain the Detroit Red Wings in 23-year-old Marcel Dion. So good good for you. You you, uh, back out on top with two points to one to zero to zero. Reg, maybe you can break the scoreless streak you've got going on. We're looking for what team did Mikhail Renberg unexpectedly captain in his NHL career? Uh, for the record, captain. Oh yeah, go ahead. For the record, I will uh, I will repeat any teams that have been guessed thus far. Mm. No, I don't need that. Uh, okay. I like it. Just right, confident. Uh, how about? Actually, you know what has. <laughs> Can I say this? Has Calgary been guessed? They they have yes. Okay, I th- I thought so. I was already, uh, already guessed, turned down. They, they were answered. You already turned this down. This information. I turned down all the information as a whole. I still want to ask specific questions about teams. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go with um. In that case, let's go with the. Uh... Oh wait, can I? Can this be like? Is it current franchises? Can I pick like defunct teams? I wish you wouldn't. Yeah, by the sounds of it, I shouldn't, so I won't. But <laughs> okay, uh, in that case, I'll just go with um, Carolina. Ooh, I like it, but no. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning were captained by Mikhail Renberg in 1997-1998. I'm so sorry. I don't sir. think I ever knew that. Yeah, I never would have gotten. You know that. how knowledge, like all these, it's like yeah, it's like all the ones where I didn't know. It's like yeah, I knew that at one point, but I don't think I ever knew that. Uh, Kyle, we're looking for what team did Bryce Salvador unexpectedly captain Holy in his NHL fuck. career? <laughs> Holy fuck! I think I know. I wish that's great, John. Kyle, I'm not saying you need this one, but if you get it wrong, you can't catch Coop. So, <laughs> I wish you could have a point. Motivation. Uh, Reg, you can no longer catch Coop as well. Oh, good to know now. Hmm. Wait, can I catch Coop? Oh, yes, you guys are making you... this a uh, editing dream at the moment. Is this uh, ah yes, the New Jersey Devils? That is correct, Kyle. Uh, oh. You get one point for the New Jersey Devils. What Bryce year was that? Salvador. That was early 2012 yeah. to 2015. 
And then Andy Green took over. Yeah. Sure. Uh, John, we're looking for what team did Stephen Ott unexpectedly captain in his NHL career for the tie? St. Louis Blues. No, John, that is incorrect. Fuck. Ottawa? We were looking for the Buffalo Sabres in 2013-2014. Although, Ottawa would have been a great team for him to captain. That's true. Right? The Ottawa's. Oh, yes. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brutes, I think you have a chance to seal it here if you can get this guy right. Uh, We're looking for the unexpected captaincy of Dallas Drake in his NHL career. Ooh. <laughs> what? Yikes. All right. All right. So the Red Wings are off the board. So that's gone. And he only, I think... Fuck, he might have hopped around actually. Like he, pl- I think of him as a blue, and I guess the blues are still on the table. They would make the most sense. But the first team that came to mind for me was was Hartford, and thus maybe Carolina. So, uh, well, they make the most sense. Let's go, St. Louis Blues. Final answer. Uh, that is correct. He captained the St. Louis Blues in uh, 2005 to 2007. So, good for you, mm. man. Mm. All right. Good well, on you, honestly. Good let's on. see this Let's see this through. Um, Reg, we're looking for Chris Chilios. What team did Chris Chilios unexpectedly captain in his national uh, yes. Um Chicago. Oh, that's that's incorrect. He, he he expectedly captained the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> yeah, for oh, like sorry. ten years. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I flipped those two around. Can I uh, post mortem? Just say Detroit. <laughs> you sure could, but you'd still be wrong. Uh, we were looking for Montreal. He captained the Montreal Canadiens for one year in 1989-1990. Oh yeah, he's not French. Yeah. Oh yeah, how's how's that even possible? I got my shit rocked right. by this game. So sorry, uh, <laughs> Kyle. We're looking if you can tell us what team Ed Jovanovski unexpectedly captained in his NHL career. Oh, uh, the Florida Panthers. Hey man, you're right. That's great. I'm so happy for you. You got it right. He was the captain from 2012 to 2014. John, what team did Jeff Halpern? Unexpectedly captain in his NHL career. Uh, Washington? That's correct. He, he was there for one season as the captain in 05 06. Uh, Brutes, you've already won it. It's three to two to two. So sorry, Reg. Uh, but uh, can you <laughs> perhaps tell me what team Kevin Deneen unexpectedly captained in his NHL career? Um. And it'd be I'll like a daily be... double. Like he just loses all his points. Like right. And then Probably not. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you know what? For the sake of the game, sure. Let's make this the freaking daily double. Mm. Uh, and and I guess it helps that I actually don't. I don't know the answer for sure. But my guess would be the. 
I mean, if I have to pick one, I will, but either the Hartford Whalers or the Carolina Hurricanes franchise. Hmm. Uh, we were looking for the Carolina Hurricanes, so I'll, right, I'll give you half points for that. And uh, oh, so that daily doubles to a point. Yeah. Oh, right. Perfect. So you still you still win. So that's that's great. Nice. nice. Yeah. So I I just want you to know that if I had had my pick of all the players in this game, I could anybody I want. I still probably would have lost to Bruce by half a point. So that's great. <sighs> I'm so sorry, guys. Yeah. But um, I like that I came up hot at the end. But you know, got to play a full sixty, as they would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this game was inspired by a T-shirt that I uh, that Bruce found in Overtime Sports and Collectibles that had a Kirk Muller uh, name on the back with a C on the front for the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, I've been sitting on this one for a while trying to find enough people to play and enough uh, names to represent. So shout out to Kirk Muller, I guess. Um, yeah, this, this has been the deadline edition of the Laced Up Hockey Podcast. I have uh, through it all been your host, James Cole. Uh, joined as always by my good friend uh, Bruce Bataglia. Bruce, anything to uh, shout out there on the high button? Oh yeah, I can't wait to write my freaking Jordy Ben article. What uh, beard yeah, I, should I, you grow during COVID? Jamie Ben like, and his beard. The most annoying part too is like uh, I would I would ordinarily write on Wednesdays for for Thursday, uh, but I guess I got to write tomorrow because it seems kind of late to wait. Till later in the week to talk about Jamie or Jordy Jamie, Jordy Ben, uh, J Ben. It doesn't. It doesn't matter which Ben. They're about the same on the blue line. Um, John, uh, a pleasure to have you, uh, our Minnesota insider who had nothing to contribute because Minnesota did nothing today. Uh, Partly and, they did nothing today. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, anything to leave off on? No, no. Thanks for having me. It was catch fun. your Twitch, catch, catch, catch your Twitch stream. Yeah, uh, Hellebuck. That's uh, an X instead of a U. Sunday, <laughs> Sunday to Tuesday streaming. <laughs> Find me on there. I love it, um, Kyle. Kyle, you've you've been here a few weeks now. You've uh, you've you've won over the listeners. You're a fan favorite. Uh, what can the people? Uh, do to find more of your fantastic uh, content? Um, if they want to have more of my content, uh, just uh, be sure to listen to more Laced Up because I look forward to making more uh, guest appearances and being the uh, third part of this permanent broadcasting crew. Uh, permanent. Wow. Yeah. I, like that. I digress. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. This is wow. your guys' show. I love being a guest on it. But um, I wish I was uh, in a position today to talk about all the rentals that Calgary would have been buying on this uh, perpetually uh, letdown of a season for them. So, you know, maybe uh, things will be more fun when we get to the free agent frenzy. I I look forward to our next uh, frenzy deadline-ish type of pod. We should do a live episode for the free agent frenzy, maybe, you know? Just all get fucked. Like, yeah. yeah. We'll let Mike Cookson call in. I would get good and loaded for a free agency show for sure. July first, nice. there we go. Patio, we're having some beers, Perfect. we're having a great time. Yeah, uh, Reg, uh, you've had a great Turn evening. I, I know you've indulged in some, uh, you know, activities uh, throughout the evening. Uh, how are you doing? How are you feeling about your abs? And where can we find 
uh, your just amazing uh, personality in terms of your, your, your content and your contribution to the sport of hockey. Yeah. I, uh, first of all, thanks for having me on guys. I really appreciate it. This is always a good time. Um, I I've been uh, feeling pretty good this evening. Uh, as far as the abs go, I don't necessarily think, you know, they made as big a moves as they could have, but I'm really not upset. It felt like they gave away nothing to solidify some depth. And uh, as far as where you can find me, you can find me on Twitter at ReggieSetGo if you really want to, but I'm not sure why you would. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the all-time greatest uh, Thunder Bay Twitter handles of all time, in my opinion. But I, I would also have to shout out his Instagram, James, because you're not on Instagram. Uh, it oh, is, I've heard uh, it's good, Reggie, though. It's Reggie or not. Reggie or not. Like, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I really wanted that to be the Twitter handle, but it was just, it was too long for Twitter. So yeah, no, Reggie set goes the, the way to go. How is, how is Reggie set go shorter than Reggie or not? Because you Reggie you're not here. I come the here. I comes there. You're also, you know, it's kind of pointless, right? That's all of it. That's the whole thing. Reggie, you're not here. I come. Oh, it's baby. It's not like Reggie, you're not. Oh, and it's implied that it's I, short for I, it. It's I literally see. Reggie, you're not here. I come. So, yeah, I guess you follow Reg on Instagram, too. Reggie, you're not here. I come. There you go. Uh, Uh, That's fantastic. You know what? And I forgot to do an ad, so free plug. Uh, Follow at smokeandmirrors.media on Instagram Mm. for more information. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Uh, One last thing I would say as well. Uh, Kyle, you good? (laughs) Uh, Our uh, our yearly... um, Oscar prediction show is uh, is canceled this year, unfortunately. If for those of you, if you were looking forward to the freaking show, it's it's not happening. Uh, instead, we will be submitting our picks on Twitter. We will still be doing our picks: me uh, versus James versus Mike Wern, and uh, Mike Wern will be on as a guest in May to talk about the episode. But he is uh, unable to make uh, the Oscar episode this month, and James. Uh, uh, has not done his homework because he's been busy doing his actual homework. Uh, so he he is not prepared yet either. So. Yeah, like like not only that, but I I also assumed that the Oscars were canceled because it's it's freaking mid April and we haven't yeah. done them yet. So I I thought that was done and over with. And then someone said, "Oh yeah, the Oscars are coming up." Uh, yeah, sorry, didn't sorry didn't check that out. But are you guys, uh, uh, Mike. Mike, I hope the tire change went well, and uh, we'll catch you on the Oscars episode. Okay, goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Mike. I'm telling you, this place is perfect. You're going to make friends in no time. Get me out of here! Just eat that! Leave us alone! SUVs. We used to ride around in city streets. Only six of us, but we would pull up like we 50 deep. If you want to hang with us, you got to bring some drugs at least. Life was seen. Pull up, make a scene like it's Steve McQueen. Flights Atlantis, the drip outlandish. I just spent 10 racks and sacks fifth in the standard. I ain't never asked to be this way. I ain't plan it. It starts with good intentions. I end up doing damage. Look, I'ma tell you how this ends before it even starts. I'ma have to make amends after I break your heart. I'ma flirt with all your friends and then we break apart. If our story was a play, it'd be a tragedy. There's a reason why my exes all still mad at me. 
And that's another love I killed, another casualty. How this thing go from a blessing to catastrophe? It's a travesty. I can't help I'm it. a professional bad decision maker. I know I broke your heart, but I love you regardless. Professional bad decision maker. Know the end is the hardest. Wish I could restart it. Professional bad decision maker. Wish that I could be honest. I love you regardless. Professional bad decision maker. Yeah, I'm a professional bad decision maker. They should write a movie about the shit that we did. Deviate acceptance from the drugs that we did. You think I learned from my past, but I'm a creature of habit. We had so much gone for us, man. What happened is tragic. My girl is a savage. Bad influences all around me. Drunk at Bagatelle, all drunk. My table is rowdy. Had to let go of Alley. I regret it for minus. I'm draped in designer. Said I needed the one and I found her. Now she's back in Portland. Had to say this shit is important. I ruined everything I love. Man, this shit is like torture. Sorry that you had to deal with it. Rehashing all wounds. Still won't let you heal with it Yo, you hear this shit? Yeah Skizzy back on this shit again 5K for the fit again Fucked up at the win again Me and my dogs the same like a synonym It's ridiculous I can't help I'm it. a professional bad decision maker I know I broke your heart But I love you regardless Professional bad decision maker Know the end is the hardest Wish I could restart it Professional bad decision maker Wish that I could be honest I love you regardless Professional bad decision maker Yeah, I'm a professional bad decision maker